Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's that time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Well, Box said, what an absolute cracker weekend of football. Plenty of close results, some ripper games, but also a heap of controversy. It's just another week in the NRL and in rugby league in general. Yeah, six weeks out from finals, and people are starting to get a little bit antsy. Um, finals positions are on the on the line, and careers in uh, some aspects are on the line. Referees, officials, administrators, players, coaches... Uh, there's a lot of pressure on this time of the year. There's some teams who probably three you'd think are out in the Dragons, Titans, Dogs, but everyone else is still in with a chance. And while over there a chance, they're going to be fighting as hard as they can. And with that, uh, it comes a lot of pressure for everyone involved to get it right. Well, as I said before, absolute crack around. I think five games were decided by one try or less as far as points are concerned. The only real blow out of the round was the Titans-Broncos game. Uh, the Raiders-Panthers game, White finished 12 apart. They fought back multiple times and came after him. And obviously the other game that finished with a bit of a gap was the Roosters, Dogs and the Dogs, as they've done all year, uh, fought to the very end. I don't think the Roosters ever got out of second gear, but overall I thought it was a very, very close round. But as we said, um, some decisions and controversy, some refereeing things and some judiciary stuff again. But we jump in as we always do, Brock, to start off with our set of six on the fifth and last NRL podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, set of six is anything that we want to talk about, questions, topics, thoughts, Statements, just an opinion, and tackle one is exactly that. Uh, inconsistencies in the game, judiciary, penalties, sin binnings, it's really gotten out of hand in particular the last month or so. Uh, some of the refereeing, some of the decisions, uh, they've obviously made a decision to ramp up on hits on playmakers and some dangerous tackles and all that, which a lot of people agree with, but it's been baffling uh, this year, in particular for me at the judiciary of all places with the gradings and some of the suspensions or fines that have been passed down whether that be Hudson Young, whose eye gouge was disgraceful, to get seven weeks and then get off for five, but then have Josh Maguire supposedly twice not have enough evidence, but, you know, you can you can find him. Like, that just... Yeah, look, I don't... If you could go through every little individual case and compare it to the next, but across the board, the judiciary system needs an overhaul, and we've said this before on the show. Uh, I, there just hasn't been that many really controversial ones apart from probably Maguire and then the Kotrick one seemed to really be the one that's kicked off this latest round in discussions on gradings and inconsistencies etc but the Jake Tavorovic tackle is probably the one for me and the reason I'm, I feel pretty strongly about this is I feel as though he's got off because he's a good bloke and yep. he's no no doubt he's a cracker fella and, yeah. and whatever I but he's got this agree. perception within the game that he's just a great guy so we should do him a favour 
No one should be done a favour. No. The rules are the rules. The criteria for what is a grade three, a grade two, a grade one are black and white. Well, Nick Kotrick's a good bloke Nick Kotrick, and a clean skin yeah, as well. Yeah, but he, he's not. He's, he's not well known like Jake Jaboyevich. He doesn't sit on the lounge on the Matty, Matty John show. You know, he, he doesn't have that, um, I guess, persona and, and uh, following and liking within the game as yet. He's a great player and he deserves just as much respect as what Jaboyevich is getting. I I think how we troll through media and how we troll through popularity sometimes is really, really poor. Isaac Luke got, uh, he got a grade, what did he get, a grade two on the weekend? Yeah, grade two. So Kotrix is a grade three. Luke's is a grade two. I think Luke's at worst is a grade one because he hasn't landed on his head. He's, he, his head has never um, ended or at any stage is pointed towards the ground. No, if his head Trebojevic hit the ground, and Kotrick's he... both got to the point where their head could have gone directly into the ground. Mm. So that, that to me, straight away should put them at a higher grade. Luke should have got a one. I don't think Trebojevic's was as bad as Kotrick's. Minimum grade Slightly, two, slightly... I don't think you got him up as um, into well, into into the same height and, and as, as dangerous as a position, but it's at least a grade two. If Hughes if doesn't take his one, head, uh, I don't know. If Hughes doesn't roll and prepare, but again, that should be irrelevant. It shouldn't matter what the guy well, tackling I'm, does. That's why I'm agreeing with it you. It shouldn't be. But that's because what, again, I think they've found ways, like you're saying, no. to kind of grade it less, which is not how it should work. No, no different. It should be black and white. The criteria is no favors. No one should get any favors. No one should. The gradings for me, and I know people could probably go look at the Luke one and go, that's a bad tackle. Like, to me, a couple of years ago, they wouldn't have even baffed at that. You would have just gone, that's a great shot. He picked him up. He had him over his shoulder. Yeah, he slammed him down on his The back. only thing that Luke did was he lost he, he lost control him. of the tackle on the way down. He let him go. Yeah. So the only so if, if Luke had contact with him and he drove him onto his back and he, he, he kept contact with um, the player he tackled, it wouldn't have been an issue. No. Because he never got over the horizontal. I still look at it though and go, okay, to me, that's just. His cool. legs came up over the top of him, but that's only through the momentum and the um, the force that's pushed through him when he hits the ground. Your legs are going to go somewhere, again, they're not just going to stop. Number one pointer, his head was never in a no. dangerous position. Whether Hughes rolled or not, Jake got him in a position where his neck was at risk. So, again, to compare the two. You know, and then if you're going to kick all. out, you could look at Tavita Pangrise, who I thought was a. He was lucky. He didn't get a higher grade. Oh, I thought that was a, probably a grade two. Well, the one that pisses me off now through all this. And he and got a, did Pangai get a grade one or a grade two? Pangai? Yeah. Well, his was careless high tackle. They didn't say it was a shoulder charge. I think yeah. it was a grade two. Well, and what? what I, I don't get it. it. It's just inconsistent and it's not about... But there's too many different charges. Is it a dangerous throw? Is it a shoulder charge? Is it a high tackle? Is it dangerous contact? Do you know, like... Let's just simplify it. But when you've got examples, like surely they can tell the difference. This is the frustrating But the problem part. is when you say Nick Kotrick is a grade three and then you see these other ones land into other slots, you don't have examples. You don't have accurate examples. Well, they Because there's got to be, there's got to be different things that you can look at and you can well, say, that's my whole point. did the tackle go above the horizontal? Yes, key, okay, it goes indicators. into here. They have but they don't. Indicators. They obviously don't. Or they're not well, following they do, them. but they're not using them. That's my whole point. So there you go. There's our issue. So I think in between that as well, the shoulder charges... The Ponga one in game, I had a problem with. To me, that's a contest for the ball. Has it gone wrong? Yep. Did he cop a hit in the head? But then he doesn't get charged the day after. So to me, I don't mind that. You sent him off at a critical time in the game where I thought that's just blokes going for a football. And if you're going to dive in head first, no. I'm not blaming Cheekham or vice versa. But that's that's a contest for me. That's just an accident. My issue with that is consistency because that won't happen. If Cheekham gets up, there's nothing said well, about that. My whole point. Um, if he didn't, go I off thought he hit him flush in the head. I thought he knocked him out. 
Uh, I, did I think it was deliberate? No. So, so, to me, it's unavoidable. I don't think, I don't think the Tigers should be at a disadvantage through the fact that Ponga has inadvertently taken him out. I don't know. We're awful on that one. I, but again, I don't think they handled it from well. From that to no charge. But do I think that Ponga hit him in the head? Anyone that argues that it wasn't Ponga that caused it, you're kidding yourself. He did. He did cause it, but, but they it was accidental. Ball. Yeah, that's right. It's football. It was accidental. Accidents happen. Yeah. And then you've got Fafita to me last week who blindsided somebody. That was deliberate. As deliberate as you've ever yeah, exactly seen. But Kikau got two. And then you, all of this again when we go back to sin binnings and suspensions and then the Dufty on, which I didn't have a problem with going into the corner. But if it's a shoulder charge and you're going to bin everybody for shoulder charges... I always try well, to think... Um, I'm, I'm lost. Think about how I would feel with the action as a player. If Fafita hit me like he, like I he did... Punch his lights I wanna, that's, that'd in, infuriate me. If I got hit by Ponga going for a footy... Accidentally, Everyone's going for the ball. I'd be, you know, you obviously you'd be devastated. You've gone off and you're knocked out, but you'd just go to him after the game and go, mate. I understand there's no intent there. Yeah, it's risk reward in games of footy. That's desperate moment. The ball was there. There was four bodies you know, in, you in could, a clash. You could see how worried Jake Jaborovic was after that tackle as well. He was worried he was going to get sent off. He knew how bad that tackle was. Yep. Uh, whereas Luke's, he's sort of like, what the hell? Well, I was a little bit Luke surprised. Him and you're like you said, he may slam him down. He didn't go body to body on the way down to the ground, but I didn't think his head was ever at risk. I think he lost control in the last probably quarter of that tackle because yeah, he wanted to slam him. But again, judiciary, it's frustrating a lot of people out there. We've probably got some people that are Manly fans listening think we're picking on Jake or Vice. No. Like, but we're not defending anybody. We're just saying across the board, whether it's Kotri, whether it's Jake Trebojevic, the whole grading setup and how they come into some of these decisions, the sin bidings, like all over in particular the last month since his massive crackdown and all this dangerous stuff. I'm all for player welfare and safety, but fuck, just get some consistency. Just get it right. That's the most overused word, I guess, in rugby league in a lot of areas. Um, and then, speaking of refs, I guess the decisions in particular we saw in the Parramatta game, which is saw four officials get dropped. Yeah. Critical decisions. <clears throat> well, we disagree on mine. I thought the two of us checked pass was forward. You didn't. After watching it a few times, I can see both sides of it. But I'm not going to like well, argue until I'm blue in the face that, and tell you. That tells you that you're not live, exactly. I was like, man, like to me, yeah. I thought his arm was backwards, and I didn't think for some of the ones we've seen the last few weeks, like Nakora against New Zealand the week before to Fecky. Like that. Yeah, but again, you compare. That was two right? metres forward out of there. Yeah, I know. But I'm judging saying, like, them. Judging them. They just on they their miss merit. they miss things that like that that are blatant. I thought this one was flat. Thought he got his so arm I backwards. Don't, I don't think so. I and he was moving forward like a ball. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's just one that we don't. But on both sides, I can see it. But the strips, I thought, the, the, especially the one, uh, the Warriors one, which led to a try, was horrendous. I know a lot of people blew up about the 9-2 penalty count, but on re-watching the game, there was a couple for crushes and a couple for other tackles. Like A penalty count's not supposed to be even. If, like, if, no, you're, you, if you're your discipline, you deserve it. Uh, I probably saw about five or six that were just bad tackles or real discipline, like Lachlan Burr's head slam. Did I think they could pinch Parramatta for a couple more, probably in the ruck? Yeah, they could pinch everybody in the ruck for a few extra penalties at the end of the day. But I, I thought the Warriors uh, had a right to be a little bit miffed in the week before. You know, they had a couple of go against him in that game as well, including a forward pass. And I think we both said the Newcastle game when we watched that one. There were some calls in that game that went against them. Did they play well? No, they played shithouse. And they almost lost to a team that was missing origin players. And I thought Newcastle honestly was better. Than but at the same time, you shouldn't have so many games be clouded by... Uh, poor decisions, and in particular, it, it's it's hard for fans to take at times if they feel it's consistently happening to their team. Mm. But I also see Parramatta fans blowing up that there was a knock on the lead up to the Isaac Luke trial, which I agree with, and I think there was another call somewhere in there. But another one that was fifty fifty for me was the Dylan Brown Sevo situation. Annesley came out and said that he had no control that he didn't pass it. 
watching it live, watching Dylan Brown, I thought he had an idea he wanted to pass it, but it almost looked like he let go of it because he had no idea where he was going. It was touched back by a warrior and Sevo scored. That one I'm looking at going, that's a bit of a 50-50 for me. Um, I can kind of see both sides of it because it looked like he had the intent to pass, but it almost looked like he froze up and just let the ball go. Yeah. So. I also thought the... I didn't think the Melbourne Storm pass at the end of their game, which was called forward, was forward. I, I thought that was a really, really bad So I'm call. a Melbourne fan, and I thought that did go a little bit forward. I thought it was a poor pass. I thought it was absolute uh, dog shit call. Yeah, I guess. So there you go. Like it's no just, one's ever going to be watch, happy. You're watching it, but... But I think we more worry again when we see a spate <laughs> of There things. was a spike of, yeah. of forward pass calls. That, that's the thing that worries me. I think this has been a spike of poor calls and inconsistency the last few weeks, and it always worries us heading into the finals because we don't want this to happen. Mm. So hopefully it gets cleaned up the next few weeks. But big decision, obviously, those four officials dropped out of that match after miffing... I'm not sure what they learned through being dropped. I, and you've got to have the quality to come up and, and uh, replace them. And I'm not sure we do. Well, sometimes you need a lot of fire out of people's asses. <clears throat> yeah, get that. I've seen some cup refs, and I actually must admit, I do like the cup situation to go back to because you lose video ref and you lose a lot of that, and you've got to go back to making decisions and actually focusing on the game. You don't have a peg to stand on or a crutch like a lot of these NRL refs do. I think Chris Sutton on the weekend basically looked at absolutely everything he possibly could. I don't think he made one decision basically live without referring mm. to the video ref. Yeah. So. If that's what it takes for it a couple of weeks. tells me refereeing without confidence. Exactly. Uh, tackle two. The Roosters, the injuries continue. It's been a messy year and they've still pulled themselves through it in a heavy origin period. But on the weekend again, Nat Butcher gets rested. We find out he's been playing with a broken rib for a month. Ryan Hall, patella tendon injury. He's out two to three weeks. Cordner and Tokiaho both get calf injuries. And the week before, Jake Friend's only two weeks back from an injury and he's injured again. Mm. So... Uh, I'm not worried again, but it's a real, real, real worrying pattern when you've consistently got players on and off the field heading into finals and not consistently keeping that team on the park. And I thought if they got a nice clean run in here with all their players on the field, it would be the perfect build-up. But if they stagger in here or a couple of these guys stay hurt or they lose a few leading into the finals, it may affect you know, their premiership campaign. Yeah. You don't want to consistently keep getting these injuries, but yeah, it's, it's been a real common theme for the Roosters this year, that every time they seem to get all the pieces back on the field, they hit a bit of a flat spot. Taken that some of those injuries I mentioned are only supposed to be for two or three weeks, but again, it, it will possibly put them in a position where they might drop to the bottom part of the foot and head to Melbourne week one. I don't want I don't want to play the Roosters full strength, in all honesty, but if a lot of those guys are coming off injuries and have to go to Melbourne week one, I, I might feel a little bit better about the situation. But uh, they're certainly well, they're in a, danger of falling out. They have a hard run of it this year as far as injuries are concerned. Mm. I know Seas have had it as well. Manly, there's a couple of teams have had it, but... Yeah, but we always say about the Roosters, they've got great depth, so... Mm. And we've seen it. We have seen it. Yeah, just heading into the finals, I hope they can get everybody they, back on they, the park. Yeah, they just smell to me. They Everyone's sort of going, oh, well, they're the best side, and they're the best side, and yada, 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 if they're fit and firing. Well, they haven't been fit and firing all year, Yeah, the Roosters. I'm just wondering if it's going to happen. But this, to I said see. to you the other day, this feels a lot like the year the Sharks went back-to-back. And that whole year we spoke similar to what we were, we're talking about the Roosters now. I don't think that there is zero problems. argument from me that the Roosters are the best side if they're fit and firing. But how many games this year have they been fit and firing? I think the difference With their is full complement. Cronulla had full complement. Answer my question: How many? How many games? Probably one, oh, two or three. There you go. I so I, I just, yeah, it's, it's issue... not lining up for them. Or. It's just going to be perfect timing. They're going to get everyone back at the right end of the year and they're just going to murk everyone, which is highly possible as well. Hmm. Oh, I, I really think, like, I feel as though it could be a year where, you know, one of these third or fourth, fifth or sixth teams wins, wins the premiership. 
I looked at Canberra on Sunday Live. They they look good. Manly, I'm still not sold that Manly can win it. They can definitely compete with the, with the big and bad sides. But if they finish outside the four, it means you can't lose a game, theoretically, in the... In the final, so I still think though, with the I'm pretty sure they're going to have to win four straight saw, against top eight teams and away from home, so that's going to be difficult. Well, I saw this the other week. I'm pretty sure they announced this year that week one everyone gets a home final. They're not going to make them play obviously an Allianz or an ANZ, whether that's partly to do with the new stadium setup or whatnot. So no, you're saying that if Penrith, if Manly are fifth or Penrith, six, they get to play at, at Brookvale. Brookvale. Yeah, yeah, or get Penrith that. get to play. This but one. after that, they're going to be away. I think win. if they win <laughs> week one from fifth or six and get a, a team that's lost, who's possibly hurting or comes off a big game like South did last year against the Melbourne, I just think it's I think unlikely they could drag someone the into a dogfight. I'm yeah. putting it that way. Unlikely they're going to win the comp, and history tells you that you got to be in the four, and the team that I look at in the four and think they're exceeding. Potent, uh, their expectations. They don't have a lot of injury concerns at Canberra. I, I don't think Siasa played well probably for the last four weeks. I thought they had a real flat spot during the uh, early part of the, of the season as well. The Roosters haven't been fit. Melbourne have been fantastic, but I, I just think they're, they're beatable, as Manly proved. They're definitely beatable. They just don't beat themselves. That's the big thing with Melbourne. If you get the best... I, I really, at the moment, I, I, I like... Six weeks out, I really like the look of Melbourne and I like the look of Canberra. Well, for me, I look at Manly and Raiders like you're speaking of and I think they're quite similar. I think they've got three of the four pieces of the spine sorted. I think both of them are short of halves partner. YC's has been slowly building and doing an okay job. Manly have used Cust, they've used LG. I thought Cust was doing a good job before he got concussed, but similar to Canberra, you've got Tom, you've got Nickel Clogstad, they've both got good hookers. I think Farnu is one of the emerging better players in this competition. He's had a profound effect on that side because he's a bigger body. Not only is he skillful, but he's got the ability to just churn metres up the middle. Mm-hmm. And Tom's hunting and hanging off the back of him and he's working off the back of Fanua Blake and obviously Tapia and it's just brought a whole new dynamic to their side. Mm-hmm. I think their forward pack is as good, if not better, than Canberra's starting side. I think their back lines <laughs> probably give an edge slightly to Canberra and then their benches are pretty similar. So I, I think those two are very similar. But on their day, best game, are they, I think they could beat the top three. Yeah. But to put a whole month together and go through a run through the finals, if one of them was in a prelim, like you're saying, or week one, one through to a prelim, that would give them a huge chance if one of them lands in the top four, which at the moment, it looks like Canberra may be that side. Mm. Uh, tackle three, Ivan Cleary approaching Ashley Klein. Uh, I didn't read as much about this as you did. You brought this to my well, attention. We basically today. said that they're fucking laying all over him, Ashley. You've got to stop him. They're not allowed. Uh, he admitted as much in the press conference after the match that he did approach the referee. Ashley Klein was asked to submit or put it in the NRL's official match report. Didn't go in because he apparently didn't hear it. However, there were people that made a statement. So it's an ongoing investigation. The NRL, I would expect, would hand down some sanctions to Cleary and the Panthers in the next 24 hours. I expected uh, we're recording Tuesday night. I expected after this news broke on Monday or Sunday night, Monday we got a lot of the gritty details I really thought that the NRL would have come down with something by now, but they haven't. Uh, but just from a conduct perspective... Yeah, if you're chasing after referees uh, at half It was poor. I just thought the, the conduct of Maloney and James Tarmow was poor. I thought Penrith looked very, very much distracted by the referees. I didn't think they played overly well on Sunday, and a lot of that was down to Canberra. And, you know, they would have, they would have got away with a little bit in the ruck, no doubt. But I just don't think Penrith played 
I think more of the long. frustration came for the fact that they played a side mm. that was very resilient inside their 20 on goal line. And at one point there in the first 10, 15 minutes, Canberra had made 75 tackles to Penrith's 25. They finally came up with a try and then Canberra almost responded immediately at the other end with Papali crashing over pretty softly through their middle. Yeah. Um, so I, I saw a lot of people afterwards, in particular Panther fans, blowing up. I don't see the need to cause such a stir in a controversy. Like you play without kick out, you've won eight in a row, they've dug themselves out of the doldrums. You know, you can be a little unhappy, but I don't think you can go and point to the referees and the penalty count. A lot of people blew up about the Naden try that he had downward pressure and they paused it and slow mode it, saying, look at his hands, like they're on the ball, that should be downward <coughs> pressure. He tried to sweep it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and if it went the other way, again, it's probably one I could have copped. But overall, I thought Canberra were much better defensively and that's the reason they won the game. And they drag you into a shit fight. I've said it multiple times and a lot of our Canberra listeners probably don't like me saying it. I think they carry on and drag people down and fight and play the balls and whinge at the refs just as much as anybody. But if you get involved in it or you buy into the frustration, you'll lose. And I thought Penrith bought into the frustration that Canberra caused. Yeah. But inside <laughs> 20, they've completely flipped their attitude towards defense this year. They're outstanding inside 20 now. They can actually show some resilience, defend their goal line. Things have changed massively in a short space of time at Canberra. Yeah. Uh, but moving off that climb thing, on with you. If he's approached him, Ivan Cleary, you'd like to think they'd... They give heavy sanctions for making mentions in a press conference. So you think if you've chased after a bloke in the tunnel well, at apparently half-time. they don't now. That was part of what came out. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm lost. Well, if you're chasing a referee at halftime, then I like be, Ivan. They should be fined. You should be fined. And Ivan's usually pretty calm and collected, but clearly it got to him. But you can't go chasing after refs at halftime. No. That's, no, no. Tackle four. The Titans supposedly are appointing Justin Holbrook. It's pretty much signed, sealed, delivered, and after all the bullshit and spin about a big exhaustive process and interviews and candidates and all the bits and pieces, basically it's been revealed that they didn't really canvas or offer interviews or do much for anybody. Holbrook was the man all along. The Kevin Walters stuff, we both definitely didn't agree that he'd be the man to get that job or you wouldn't give him that job. Um, and then when the talk came about that he was basically saying that they can approach but he's, me. Or... He's similar to what we just spoke about with Jack Jabojevic. Yeah. He, he's the good bloke. I'm sure oh, he is you know, Kevin's a good bloke. Can you and... coach? <clears throat> can you if coach? he was such a good coach... He'd already have a job. Correct. And we know that he's been at a couple of clubs. And I said it last week. I don't know the bloke, and nothing's ever personal. But off, the, off appearances of three Origin games and the frustration, how snappy and emotional he gets from that, with elite players where you're not responsible for much <clears throat> other than organising a camp and getting them up for one game, how are you going to deal with the top 30 assistants, yeah. staff, We've media, performance. Like, there's so many more layers <laughs> to an NRL job, and I just don't think he's cut out for it. No. I think he's good well, doing an origin job or an assistant job. You don't have to explain job. yourself because the clubs are talking for you. Well, they should be. They and are because he's not signed. My issue, only issue out of this is, they again... They can talk as much as they want. There's a lot of people talking about how good of a bloke he is. He's not employed. He's been in multiple yeah. applications. He's been murdered for multiple jobs, and he's got none of them. Mm-hmm. Mr. Tiger's job, Broncos' might be, job. Might be a good bloke, and yeah, no, no doubt about it. But there is there is something around him that is scaring clubs off. Well, again, I think even with the assistance background or the apprenticeship we spoke about that he's done, I think there's guys that have done more. Holbrook, I thought, had done more. The, 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 to question the Seabold appointment up there, I think, was crazy. The fact that they got him out of Souths and what he's doing right now, anyone that wants to argue me at that point, I'll argue with him until I'm blue in the face again about what they're doing at Brisbane and that being the right thing. But look, the Titans, I think they've got the they've got the right result. If they've got Holbrook and that signed still delivered, I think How they've they got the best candidate. That's an argument in itself, but yeah. that just says everything about where the clubs are. Exactly. 
they need to forge a personality <laughs> or a culture, and again, all the bullshit and the spin. And but all that—that's that, bullshit as well. Like saying we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do something about our culture. The fact that you got to say that tells me that culture shit. And it's already showed. Like we just the other culture way. is what you do, not what you say. The and most, that the first thing that they should do with their culture talk is throw it in the fucking bin yeah, and shut up. That's horrible. Start doing some things. That's what culture is. What, culture is what you do. What killed me more than anything, and I said it last week, was it. Players need to start fucking playing. Copley or somebody else came out and said, oh, we trained so much better this week. That's the worst possible thing that just spoke to everything where the Titans The coach doesn't dictate how you coach, how you perform. professional athlete. Exactly. Do your fucking job. And how's that worked out without Garth Brennan? They've played their two worst games potentially. Correct. Or even worse without him. So it's not Garth Brennan's fault. He was fed to the Lions because he had a shit group of blokes who didn't want to buy in and do their job. They've got all these exorbitant contracts. They're half-arsing it. They're dragging around and... Mal Meninga is supposed to be the idol and the one to fix it and he's given a big pep talk. How's that panned out? So it speaks to everything we're going on about. It doesn't matter at the moment. You shouldn't need a pep talk. No, you shouldn't need a pep talk. Not when you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you should be fucking embarrassed when you play poorly. Mm. And you know you're on big money. And then you can't complain about the media and that's the other one. For all these players that wanted to buy into the game and have part of the TV deal, the media is what funds the game. I know a lot of people don't like the papers and they write the negative spin and they have to sell stuff and they talk all the time, but... At the end of the day, that's that's what's feeding the money. The media spin, the TV, all the bits and pieces that come with the cycle. Players can't have it both ways. You can't take the rewards, but then you know not cop it on the flip side of it when you're playing like shit or being a busted or not doing your job. And there's a lot of guys out there not doing their job. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me here, and I said it before, if I'm Holbrook, I wouldn't have wanted this job. No offense, but I think for a first job, it's not even so much the whole thing where everyone's going, oh, it's a it's a hard spot to bat, and the Titans is a shell and it swallows people I just think the situations with the contracts and we spoke about this before at dinner I just don't know where you go with some of these contracts because a lot of them aren't finished well, in 12 they're not finished in 12 months oh, I agree with you I said the other week that <clears> if I'm O'Brien Fitzgibbon any of the good candidates I wouldn't want the job I really wouldn't want the job so for him uh, when I heard talk that the Bulldogs had interest I would have been more interested in the Bulldogs job because they're about to have a heap of cap space and he could actually make some moves and they've got third parties and a bit of a setup there but Good on him for putting put his balls on the line, but I tell you what, there better be some patience. He can coach. Because with the contracts that they've got in Jared Wallace and a couple of these guys long-term, Ash Taylor, uh, there's He's, the, still... The thing that I like about what Holbrook's done at St. Helens is he hasn't recruited. They had a roster that wasn't going very well. Kieran Cunningham got the punt. Holbrook comes in, and they've gone well. They haven't really recruited anyone. Well, he did have Barber, and he Well, did they lost coup. Barber, and they're going better without Barber. Mm. I'm not saying that, but he didn't win the comp last year. I think he didn't. Didn't win the comp. They were clearly the best side. They're in the Challenge Cup final. Yeah. They're, I think, eight points clear at the top of the Super League. But I speak more to what you they'll, said um, the other week. Forget the Premiership. The they'll, style they'll, only, of play. they'll only beat themselves. The style of play. The they catch, skill. pass, and tackle better than exactly. anyone in the Super League. So I looked at all that. I don't care if they didn't win the comp. I'm saying that's I'm, coaching. I'm taking the mark of his coaching from what I'm seeing. With the I like. Test. I like the details in their performances. They're good. They're very good. They're very sharp. And let's hope. Well, but I watch them. Pretty much every week, they're they're sharp. They're sharp. They are the only side in Super League that could come over here and defeat an NRL side. No one else in Super League at the moment could go anywhere near an NRL side. They could. And I look. I think the standards dropped to the point where, you know, if you throw St Helens against, you know, who's eighth in the competition at the moment, you'd like your Penrith, your West Tigers, Brisbane. or whatever, Brisbane. I think Brisbane would shred. Them. They they wouldn't shred them, but they'd beat them. They would beat them. So they um. That's sort of where the standard of the Super League is. And, you know, you've seen Leeds come out and compete with Melbourne in Melbourne in years gone by. But 
the, the standards dropped away significantly. And part of that is because <clears throat> two, there's been two drains in the Super League. Number one is their best players are coming here. Yeah, there's also but no they're money. Coach, but they're coaches, mate. Yeah, but there's also they're coaches no like your Holbrook go over there and they build and they develop. And then as soon as they get a job, they come back here. Mm. But also... So that's that's hurting the English game as well. You can't, like, it's all the world going to fall fucking Super League shit. Well, what, but why? Why isn't it as good? Because, A, it's a it's secondary in terms of where players go, and it's secondary in terms of where coaches go. But so the, the standard's never going to be the same as you is also what I said that. The money is going out of it because you used to see mid-tier kind of guys still go earlier or people that are going. Managers are telling players now, and I've got mates that are getting towards the back end that have been offered to go. <laughs> Look at James Maloney. We don't want you to... Yeah, but he's on a marquee deal. That's a different setup altogether. Well, every they club's get, got a marquee deal. Yeah, they get deal. two slots, though. So Austin so that's and 32 players... Yeah, but they wouldn't go if they didn't get those deals because they're being informed now by their managers. I can get you more still to stay here than to go to England because the cap that's the point where the up. money's gone to. The cap here's gone exactly. up. exactly. But that's what I'm saying. The money there has changed significantly to what it used to be. Mm. It's not back like when I was a teenager and Trent Barrett still went in prime years because there was significant amounts of money and players used to leave too early. Ali Lawatiti and a couple of guys went when I was 11 or 12 years old and never came back. The money's not even close to that anymore unless you get one of those marquee slots. And most teams, I think, only have two of those if they choose to use them. Catalan just used theirs for the first time, like you mentioned, on James Maloney. They haven't used it the last couple of years since it's been in. And yeah, yeah. you can argue what you want. They're but clearly the, waiting the, for the I right watch play. it every week, and um, the stand is not where it was. No, it's so not. It's ordinary. Simple as that. Moving on to tackle five, Mark Coyne, we spoke about last week, obviously. Uh, I think he got the majority of clubs to vote in confidence of him staying. They said that more than half had to vote, but he ended up for his own sake. I think it's more like, look, Mark Coyne's out, okay? So we disagree with that, and I I disagree with that vehemently. I I can't believe that they've allowed him to walk out the door because the key to allowing someone to walk out the door is to make sure that you've got someone just as good or better to come in and replace him, and I'm not sure where we have that. And John Grant, um, not John Grant, What's his Peter, Peter Beattie was interviewed on the weekend and said said as much. We don't have someone as no, good to replace him. Shit rule. Okay, so and that's where we're going to go with this. The rule at the moment is that anyone who's had an affiliation with an NRL club has to have three years stood out, out of the game in order to join the commission. The person to me who is an absolute lock and a waste doing what he's doing at the moment and not on the commission is Phil Gould. He's just quit the Panthers. Yep. He's twiddling his fucking thumbs. He should be on the commission. Simple as that. Whether you like him or not, he's one of the smartest rugby league brains that's ever existed. He's not currently employed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a bias to Penrith. I think, if anything, he's got a bias to the Roosters because he's such good friends with a lot of the people there and they go back a very, very long way. But I still do not think that if Phil Gould was, was put onto the commission that he'd have any bias or any um, inclination to do favours to anyone within the game because... He's covered the game, coached in the game, played in the game for 30 or 40 years. I just think he wants the best for the game. He, he should be the person that comes on to the commission, yeah. in, in my mind. I don't disagree with that. I think he that, almost, to me, should just come on and be the chairman. I think Nick Pappas has been mentioned. Obviously, you've got Shane Richard at South. There's a lot of good people within the game. But to think that there's a rule... Well, that, John Quayle's another one. Exactly. But to think there's a rule that restricts people who are involved in the game and doing the best jobs at Clubland, which are the most important jobs, cannot jump onto it. What made me even more baffled was hearing Peter Betty say that the commission <coughs> at the time, I think, shot him down on the vote to remove that rule. And he said he's going to go back in and approach it again and that's something he's been tackling. So I'll give him props for that because that's the right thing to do. But how that rule exists or how they voted in favour of keeping that rule is beyond that. 
Mm. It should be straightforward. Best candidate for the job, that's it. Plain and simple. No restrictions, no bullshit, no lows to it. So let's hope uh, they can overcome that rule and we can get ourselves some people on the commission, number one, first of all, but moving forward in the future, not to make it so bloody complicated to restrict people. Like, if you've had three years out of the game, why would you suddenly be interested in a board? If you weren't active in the game at that time, why would you put, put, get them well, put on the commission? That's exactly the point. And you also become a little bit out of touch. Exactly. Uh, the last tackle we've got here, uh, Robbie Farr is retiring at season's end, played game 300 last week. It has been one hell of a career, in particular the last few years. There's been a fair bit going on, whether that be on and off the field with coaches and club moves and all the bits and pieces. But I guess at the end of the day, all things aside, uh, you can't question his ability as a player. No, he can play. There was a time there for probably, I reckon, two years, he was just as good as an influential as Cameron Smith. I'd say that openly. I, I think disagree, uh, yeah, around but... uh, 2010, 2011, um, he just hit a real classy patch of form, and I thought he was in that um, level of elite play. Uh, he, he didn't stay there for very long. No, I just um, think but he's overall... played 300 games. He's won a premiership. He's played State of Origin. He's played for Australia. Um, is he the most likable bloke in the game? No, but he's got you know the full respect. He should have the full respect of everyone yeah. because to play 300 games um, and he's hung on. He's like a cockroach, isn't he? He wouldn't just West Tigers just tried to, to try to kill him and kill him and kill him. They got rid of him. Yep, um, and you know. Isn't it funny how it went full circle? Like Maguire got him to South, and then Maguire's been pretty keen to get him back. I think clear is Ivan obviously got him back, but you know it would have been very, very easy for a coach coming in if it wasn't Maguire to sort of say, "Well, I don't really want Robbie Farrell. I want to move in another direction." But well, I think he, Maguire didn't um, get I, rid of him from I, South. I know for a fact that they wanted Farrell to go around for another year. Yeah, they and, wanted him and Benji um, to go around for another. Well, year. Benji's going to go around for another year, and but rightfully so. Uh, injuries, uh, what's and just the wear and tear on Robbie Farrell's body, and he's. Um, you know, just looking to, I think to move on. The best thing is it finished on the right terms and things have been a lot quieter the last two years after a bit of drama at the back end there when it all thought it was well, going to Well, there's a end. bit of drama today because the mole came out and said that... He basically helped him sack knife Mick, Mick Potter. Potter. Yeah, which they, they don't talk and he's tried to shake his talk hand, etc. Social media, the mudslinging that goes on. I thought it was very, very poor form to do it today when he announced his retirement and... Yeah, the week of or week post his 300th game. I think he retweeted something that someone else wrote, basically saying, "Great bloke, it was poor. Uh, great player, average bloke," and poor. he said this pretty much sums poor. up. So, yeah, it's poor. Well, he, he's got himself that. in a bit of junk the last few weeks as well. The With other Dugan week, and yeah, talking shit about Dugan, but they. I guess this is the thing: if you want to get clicks and you want to, yeah, but if you, you want to, want to if get you want stuff po- from the players as well, you can't lay yeah. the boot in and then not expect them to block you out when you've talked shit about them as well, like. If you're going to say something, yeah, but the, the players talk just as much shit about. Journalists. I get that. I just think if it's it needs to be fair and equitable, and the way it's reported needs to be fair and equitable, and not personal. Yep. Uh, well, that that was very much personal, and the timing of it was personal. Back to the main point, he's made 300. He gets to finish off where it all started, and I think the last 18 months to two years has been a much more positive than how things were looking to end yeah. prior. With all the drama, and there'll be a massive celebration at Leichhardt this week. Yeah, and I, where are they? Are they at Leichhardt last Thursday round? night? Yeah, against Cronulla, I think. So Sunday that's, that's also an even better way for things to finish off, I guess. So, uh, and yeah. that, that that could be a playing game. Huge career, but there you go. That's our set of six for this week. Moving into our power rankings now, brought to you by the Penrith <coughs> Solar Centre. There is no one better. Award-winning service. They won the best business for the Penrith Business Awards in Trades and Services. And if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you more on edge than the origin decider. 
Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialists who are helping local families take control over their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you, your home and your back pocket. Contact the Penrith Solar Centre today on 1800-2029-30 to discuss how you can have the real winner this season, www.penrithsolar.com.au. I think uh, Wayne Stoneman or someone else wrote on there the other day that he was getting a quote, so there'd be a couple more people that have jumped on board with us this year, bro, Yeah, with the solar. Uh, great idea, especially heading into summer. Get onto the Solar Centre and the boys there. Power rankings, number one, still hasn't changed for me. Melbourne, they're still two wins clear. They rested some players. They were a bit rusty on the weekend. Man, they were great, but to me, they're still number one. I've got the uh, Roosters. All right. Well, I've left the Roosters at number two. I didn't think they were all impressive. They barely got out of second gear, and they've got those injuries, but I still think best side that they are probably the number one team, but I want to see everyone on the field. Well, I've got the Storm at two, but... I, I, yeah, I changed them based on win, wins and losses over the weekend. Yep, number three, still South. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they got that job done. I thought they could have gone on and inflicted a little more damage, but they've been missing players, much like the Roosters. They're slowly getting them back. Yep, well, but, yeah, looking at the back end of the I year. I disagree. I've got the Raiders at three. I think South have been unimpressive. Uh, and I don't know. I don't see South as a genuine premiership threat at the moment. Right. Well, I've actually bumped Manly. And I've, got, I've got South at four. Well, I've bumped Manly to You've four. You've bumped Manly ahead of the Raiders. Manly have beaten the Raiders. Wow. Manly have beaten the Storm. Manly have beaten South. Wow. Manly have had injuries. They're not playing with the full salary cap, and now they're full complement <laughs> back. They've just gone down to Melbourne and beat Melbourne in Melbourne. So Yeah, golden point. For now, I'll stick by them. Um, yeah, I've got the Eagles at five. I've got the Raiders at five, but that's no disrespect to them. I think they've been great. That's disrespectful, I think Raiders been fans. ticking along. Um, and head-to-head, like I said, they've lost to a couple of these sides so at this point in time. If they played them again tomorrow... I'd... But they haven't played a lot of these teams recently, the Raiders. So, anyway, yeah, move on. It's I still good. think they're a good side. Number six, I've building their power. confidence. I've got power as well. Yeah, um, number seven, Panthers. Hot and cold, bit up and down. Panthers, I've gone seven as well. Missing yeah. kick out on the weekend and an eight win streak. Um, they've fought their way back into a pretty decent position considering what they've been through. And eight, the Broncos. Yeah, got the Broncos. They're in. Yeah, <laughs> they beat last and second last, so I'm not going to get too yeah. excited. I agree, I'm just saying they're in. And then after that... Missed opportunities, not beating your mob the first time, and the four lose, four losses, or whatever it was during the Origin period. Mm. Uh, yeah, in the mix, Knights, Sharks, Tigers, Warriors. Yeah, last chance, Cowboys, gone, Dogs, the dragons. Titans, Dragons. Yeah, Cowboys, think... last chance, Leichhardt. Man, the, the Cowboys have bombed two games. Like they beat the Roosters, and then they've just absolutely thrown two games down the road. Yeah, well, Newcastle, the biggest, most alarming thing is when they got back on that streak and they were playing good football, they were relentless defensively. Their energy was outstanding. They won the battle and attack going forward, but they defended stoutly. Against the Tigers the other night after they jumped to that 12-0 lead, it just felt like a yo-yo of them coming in and out of the game in particular, just not the same kind of effort and intensity and defense in, in particular. Their rucks were horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's your power rankings for this week. Moving into those reviews of the games from the weekend. First one, Sharks. Against Cowboys, 16-14. Um, I thought early on, things didn't look too great for Cronulla as far as attitude and effort were concerned. There was errors, penalties, the same old Dukes, not the, the crash shot start there. North Queensland, very, very scrappy in the first half. Got in at 8-4, but looking at them with makeshift centres, and in particular when Kyle Felt went off and you had Wright and Hess playing on both sides of the field. <coughs> they had an early obsession, the Sharks, of going after Hess, but the one and only time they shifted to the other side of the field when it was Opacek and Wright, they scored a try for Muli Tala. In the second half, they made the decision consciously, obviously, that that was the way to go. I think the Cowboys gave themselves no chance second half. They made that many errors coming out of yardage, penalties. They ended up getting 
just strangled in their own half and couldn't get out. And Cronulla eventually come and got him. Uh, I still didn't think it was the most inspiring performance by Cronulla, but most importantly, it was unconvincing. But they it was just a win. needed to win, and they won. Cowboys, man. They've blown so many games wow. this year. What, what a year, though. And wow. again, I don't like making excuses, but it hasn't been a great year for them. Morgan's missed three weeks. They, they're struggling offensively. Yeah. Well, Morgan needs to come back, and he is this Sold week. the Sharks. That, that, to me, was just a real... It was, it was two, game, uh, two teams that were just low on confidence, a lot of errors, but one team was eventually going to win, and the Sharkies got it. And I, I probably think the home ground advantage played a big part in it. And they got hot for probably a 15-minute period there where they strung together uh, the two or three tries that ultimately decided the game. Well, like I said, the, the second half in particular was all one-way traffic. It was almost 2,000 metres to 1,200. They had 55% of the ball, six line breaks to, tw- uh, to two. Like they, they had everything going their way in the second half. And if anything, I think they should have won by more. But most importantly, it was a win. Gallon stepped up. I thought Williams and Ueli made a big difference off the bench again. And after a poor start, Dugan had a decent game. And Bronson Sherry. Uh, um, Morris, as long as he pushes forward, not listening to these players focusing what they need to do and picks the right side this week with everyone in their positions, whether that means Dugan or Morris is on the wing and Sherry plays on that left with Wade Graham supposedly returning and building that combo. Whatever's best for the team. No more bullshit. Everyone buying it, Cronulla, or fuck off. Plain and simple. Uh, for the Cowboys, it's doable this week against the Tigers, but at the same time, I don't think they've got it in them to make the finals. I well, think... the Tigers are one of the teams around them, so they've got yeah. to win. And I, 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 <coughs> last yeah. chance. Lose your goal. It is last chance, definitely. But I already think they're almost on the table, getting revived. So moving on from that one, Tigers-Knights, as we spoke about before, the fast start. They were just rolling upfield so easily. Newcastle, poor error, and easy try for Ramey. And then Ponga comes down, steps five blokes, and all the inside guys don't tie in. At 12-0, I'm sitting here going, Madge McGuire. He's just having flashbacks to Canberra the week before. The slow start. Are they going to get blown out or fight their way back in? You don't know. But from there, I thought they steadied. They started to get a roll on. I thought Brooks and Marshall, particularly Brooks, controlled things with the kicking game. They pinned Newcastle and then just yo-yoed for the whole game. Every time the Tigers got on the board, Newcastle took one back. But in particular, I thought uh, the Tigers looked the more likely of the two as far as just being consistent throughout the game. Uh, they were good in yardage. Not for Luma in particular was outstanding, but yeah, it's just for Newcastle, I don't know what, what's going on. The, the origin period obviously hurt, but the two games since, they've, they've let two slip that they should have probably won. And the ending, did I agree with it? I didn't agree with the send-off, but did I think Newcastle lost the game because of that? No. I thought they lost the game because defensively they were poor. They chose to come in and out of the game and yeah, I really don't know what's going on there, but he's wielded the axe this week. He's dropped four players. I don't agree with all the droppings, but the one in particular, uh, Kurt Mann defensively has been spotted up something fierce the last few weeks. Luke Brooks had a field day getting at him. Again, I defended Ramian last week. A lot of people were saying he's terrible defensively. I think he's really been struggling defending next to Mann. Mann's been spotted up inside and outside. I think anything that's been around in the last few weeks has led to points. Yeah. Um, so him, he's been moved to the wing this week. I think a lot of people have obviously did video since the Roosters game and other games prior and figured out that's a spot they can go to. So they've got Mason Leno there this week. Raymond's been dropped. Um, yeah, I think that was a little bit harsh. I don't think he's played his best football this year, but he's still number two in tackle breaks, and I think he's pretty damaging when he gets early ball. But that one, I don't know if there's something behind the scenes since the move that might attribute to that. I don't know about you, whether you'd think he was worth being dropped the way he's been playing. But. Yeah, all right. Nathan Brown's looking to rattle some cages, I think. I get that. That, that one, yeah, I, I thought that one might be a little bit harsh. Unless, again, there's more to the story that I don't know about. But for yeah. the Tigers, full credit to them. Uh, they got blasted by the coach last week. 
they had plenty of opportunities in the second half last week after a slow start, but couldn't get it done. But this one, they just didn't go away. We saw them down 12 zip and then lead 18, 12 at half time. Luke Brooks, I think this year, again, quietly has gone along and been outstanding running the football. And a lot of good things happen off the back of him. Benji, Corey Thompson's been a revelation since being at fullback. And Bayer's been better defensive than I thought at centre. So I think a lot of those moves have worked out quite well. And Nofaluma, after being iced by Maguire, whether that was an attitude thing or fitness, he's been great every single week since he's been back in. Uh, for Newcastle, Pong had a really good game before that. Sent off, and I think Watson's been the one spark plug where they were positive for them most weeks recently. Yeah. South Dragons. Uh, honestly, I, I thought the Dragons defensively were a bit better, but it just felt like the majority of this game was played in their half and they couldn't get out of their end. I thought their forward pack were pretty poor and pretty disappointed in particular with Tarek Sims the further this year's gone on. Frizz was okay, but they only had one forward over 100 metres, which was Vaughan at 145. He played 60 minutes, made 50 tackles for no misses as well, but it just really feels like their forward pack at the moment is letting them down. Um, it's slowly got worse the last few weeks and their back five had hurt them, but the other night I thought their back five did a pretty good job. Yeah, Saab made a difference on debut. They didn't make errors coming out of the backfield. They tried hard in yardage. The conditions weren't really conducive to the game, but honestly felt like they were a lot better as far as organisation on their goal line. They held out for longer periods. At halftime, I thought South probably could have done more damage. They thought they had a real, real good chance on that left-hand side with Cody Walker, who went hard at Aiken and Saab. He almost got him a couple of times, and it turned out right on the death. He swooped to the right, <clears throat> linked up with Reynolds, and they got him on the other side of the field. But the fact that the Dragons had a chance to win this at the back end blew me away. Yeah, South played with their food for 60 minutes. They did. They really did. Um, and the back end of the game, crazy finish, but it just sums up the Dragons' year, I guess. Saab gets that nice try, then they get the runaway from the McInnes effort, which was an absolute perler. To get between those players and get that football was massive. That was a huge effort. Woodop's goal kicking, you know, <laughs> both from the sideline, then to knock the penalty out from there, you thought they were home. But I was in bed watching this with my missus, and she got all excited. And I said, I just have a bad feeling about this. And you never celebrate too early. And sure enough, the 80th minute yeah. they scored a try. <clears throat> I know a lot of people block Look, about Saab- that. I saw him about a month ago playing Jersey Flag. He played against us at the Tigers, and he he didn't really overly stand out in that game. Yeah. I thought he did a good job in this in this match, but he made a Jersey Flag decision coming in when he didn't need to. Uh, if you have a look at um, the tackle of Ewan Aitken on, I think it was uh, Braden Burns on his inside. Yeah, he Braden Burns would never have scored, so there was no reason for Saab to come in. Mm. And the golden rule is if you come in, you've got to cut the ball off, yeah. whether that's with and your he, body. He came late too. He yeah, kind of hesitated just, and he didn't get to the ball. He just didn't trust the man on his inside. And that's a that's a just a, a tough one for the Dragons. Yeah, real tough one. Massive. Uh, but Gus they, Gould, I both sides are poor. Yeah, Gus Gould absolutely shredded Ben Hunt for the way he played. And uh, on the night, I didn't pay as much close attention to it, but having a look at it. He was poor. Again, on Sunday when I went through it, some of the drops and just his general attitude and effort around the field were quite poor. The other one I don't understand, taking that drop out when someone's coming back from being injured. And the referees generally never let you take a tap or anything beforehand. But yeah, yeah, but he should be aware that he wasn't on side. I know that. that, that, that and Vaughn should have been moving his ass a little bit quicker. That, that just tells you where... The kick flip. Where they're at. The kick flip mainly <laughs> come out of it that I was highly amused with. But. Uh, they're just not connected. They're no. not thinking together. They're not acting, acting together. They're not moving together. They're not behaving together. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's winning football. McKinnis, uh, again, outstanding. Saab, decent debut. Thought Widop for his first game back was okay, especially the goal kicking. For South, uh, I think Cody Walker really, really had a good game all over the field, run the football, built his confidence. Dewey's been really good at fullback. 
I like. I don't think, I don't he, think he's ever really played a bad game in first. No, game. I don't think he has either. I just don't like watching him move. Though I'm like, he's quick enough to be a fullback. Not a fullback. But the, the big he's body and the way he ball plays, like he's given another element there. While Johnston's been out, uh, he's done a good job. I think Reynolds' kicking game, Murray is always with the, the ruck speed, and I think massive improvement this year. And I had Raps even said it in the, the preseason. I thought Tatola was going to have a good year. I think Tatola's been really good for South this year and taking a step forward. Mm. So good win by them. Eels Warriors. This game in the first half was an absolute perler. Uh, uh, this was end to end, action packed. The Eels showed a bit of a frailty in the middle of the field again. In my opinion, the Warriors took advantage of it. Vintage eyes at Luke. He was all over the joint. But I tell you what, the one person, and I say this week in, week out, if you sat down and said, like, what's one person I want to watch on video, on the ball, off the ball, in all areas of their game, watching Roger Tuivasashek never gets old. That bloke is a freak. Yeah, he's a freak. He's an absolute <laughs> freak. Ken Marmolo, too, uh, could be close to one of the most improved players in the comp, if not up there now as one of the best wingers in the competition. His yardage work, his finishing, his post-contact, his drive, his work rate, he's now matching what Roger does out of yardage. I think for them, obviously, this game in the second half went a little bit off the rails after being so topsy-turvy back and forth in the first half. But just those decisions, I guess, for a lot of people is what left, left a sour taste in the mouth of what was a really good game of football. Yeah. Um, for Para. I thought they did well to steady, considering early on I thought they were getting bullied and pushed around. Nathan Brown is massive for that forward pack. He's their leader. Beast. He was excellent. I thought Mitchell Moses uh, kicked very, very well and controlled things, and Gutherson slowly found his way into the game. And You know, he's actually starting to turn around a little bit this year, slowly but surely. Kane Evans is playing some good football and showing a bit of the promise mm. that was kind of thought about a Still couple of years ago. Still too much wedge, the big man. <clears throat> oh, I'm not disagreeing with you there, but I'm actually seeing some decent contact and a bit of aggression and some spark, and they certainly need it, but... Yeah, the first half in particular was one of the better halves of footy I've seen this year. Very exciting. It was. But, yeah, I guess... Not much defence on offer, but... Yeah, the the controversies that ended up finishing the game. there's a lot to be said for the 3pm time slot. It's conducive yeah. to watching good footy. Dry. Simple. Throw the ball around. Bank West Simple. is good. But, uh, you know, end of the day, I know there's some frustrated Warriors fans out there and Parramatta fans would be clapping because that win potentially has pretty much locked them in. I've got them close to being locked in for the finals now mm. with the way things have worked out. Uh, they've been up and down like a fiddler's elbow, but at the end of the day, they got the job done. Like I said, Brown, Gutherson, Moses, I thought all those guys were pretty good on the Warriors side of things. Sheck, week in, week out, along with Marmola. I think their props have been good lately. Parsi, Armia, good roll on, lots of offloads. Luke had a pretty good game as well. And uh, Yeah, I just think, yeah. Uh, in all honesty, I've even done a, I'd go back to the Newcastle game. I thought they got a lot of dodgy calls in that game. Uh, and... <clears throat> They just haven't been given a lot of favours and you just hate to think that that may potentially yeah, cost them a spot. But they've got to be better. At the same time, I think they've blown some games they, they have. shouldn't have blown. So have. I do feel bad for them, but at the same time, I'm not going to make... That's the purely excuse. But the last few weeks, in particular, like you said, that Newcastle game, I thought they got the raw end of the deal. The referees are as inconsistent as the Warriors. Yep. <clears throat> so that makes total sense. Broncos-Titans, uh, this doesn't really need... It was a dog shit game. ...any explanation. Mm. Uh, they were blown off the park, 28-6... Talk about playing with your food. In the first half. And, yeah, I think the most disappointing thing for Anthony Seabold is in the second half, it was 6-all. You would have wanted him to go on with it. It yeah. seemed like every time they got but half... Do you like, as a coach, sort of go, yeah, the Titans are so bad, so bad, that they just... I, 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 know you, I know you want your team to be on every half of every game. It just... It's impossible. And I totally get why the Broncos sort of clocked off because the Titans... Like, they've sacked Garth Brennan, and there's been zero response from the playing group. No, there's only a handful of guys, as always, doing their job. I thought 
Michael Gordon's one of those guys. I thought Watkins and in a very, the whole very game, cool game. Jared Wallace is trying to kiss and rub asses with every Brisbane player. Yeah. He needs a fucking rocket. Mate, compete. Yeah. While the 80 minutes are on, compete. As well, hard as you can. Wasn't you funny when he didn't blood. score that try either and then subbed himself off. After the game, I, you know, you, you can be friends and do whatever. But while the, while the ball's in play and while you're between those lines, I'm sorry. Well, I think everything was summed up with Kevin Proctor absolutely spraying Ty yeah. Roberts at halftime. He was not happy. That says more to me, um, shows more of, me, more of his time at Melbourne for me than what it does yeah. his time at the Titans. Not happy, but I think... Just the fact that he's he's not happy and he's willing to make people accountable. Yeah. I think, like I said, there's only a handful of guys like Nathan Peets had a dig. Uh, missing Arrow, obviously, massively, but even with him in there with all the effort he makes. I said week in, week out when he was playing, I just feel bad for the bloke. We need possession and polish and we've got neither. Yeah. Uh, Roberts, this week, after that spray, I think... Do you think anything will come of that? I haven't seen the lineups yet or any no, kind of what happened. He, he's been an absolute stalwart for he us has. this year. So Taylor has been named. And that, that spray, well. we're not really sure what that spray is about. So yeah. and I don't have an issue with it. And Roberts certainly didn't fire back. No. So play on. That, that's that guy's just getting cranky on the field. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just that the cameras caught this one. That 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 had happened. I would say every team oh, in every match, someone would have a running like that. I think. For Brisbane, like I said, it's hard to read too much in the last two weeks. They've had two easy kills. They've got the job done. I think the thing for them is just building combinations and sorting through their roster. And again, the two front rowers are making a huge point of difference. The harsh numbers of Tamalolo, like the minutes, the efforts, the tackle breaks, the runs. Yeah. Lodge and him working <laughs> together in turn are forming one of the best front row combinations in the competition right ah, now. Yeah. Jake Turpin at halfback's done a great job with that deer in there. Really surprised me. I watched him play his juniors at Melbourne. Thought he was a nifty little nine. Didn't think a whole lot more than that, but... He spent some time with Seabold, like Reese Kennedy, like a couple of the guys that he's brought down there with him. Milford going to fullback, something I asked for a couple of years ago. I've been banging all along that he was a fullback, and I'm so happy to see him back there. Best players get to play open field and pick where they want to inject themselves, and he's so much better not being parked on that left edge. Mm. He looked a little bit tired, but that's because the last few years they've been putting weight on him to defend him in the front line. I think with a full preseason under his belt, with Dearden at half, whether it's Boyd they push with in the future at six or whatever happens down the preseason... I think just things are falling into place nicely. Again, more heading towards next season. Stags on the right, uh, another good game. There's a lot of positives. And Pat Carrigan again off the bench. Yeah. Carrigan's doing an excellent job for him, so good progress. <clears throat> Manly Melbourne. Crack a game. Uh, I think the Storm, honestly, had the better of it and full credit to Manly. I think Melbourne didn't offer a whole lot inside 20. Manly did a really good job pressing them, getting hard up on the edges. And I, I think... <laughs> Two things really frustrated me. Melbourne didn't adjust on the edges. They didn't play deeper or try and turn back inside and catch them out in the middle or work over the middle. They had too many setup plays. And the early kicks, how many times they tried to slot one in or second or third tackle. A few times they got repeat sets, but I just thought there was nothing really thrown at Manly. Uh, it was quite frustrating to watch, in all honesty. And on the flip side of that, I thought Manly were outstanding, in particular in Melbourne's favourite area, which is trying to strangle you out of yardage. I thought the first half they moved the point of attack really well. They got wide. Anytime they got a quick play of the ball or space Melbourne out, Fainu was pushing forward. Tom was on the back of it or they just shifted away again and they were making it way too easily out of yardage and the offloads. The amount of second phase just gave Melbourne all sorts of grief. Uh, second half, obviously, they had that red-hot period as they do where they probably copped a spray from Bellamy. They dragged Manly into a dogfight. They ramped up. They dragged themselves back in. But the two tries, again... Uh, Brandon Smith having to go from dummy half and the Will Chambers one which I thought at the time was a bit of a selfish play like that that's what it took to get Manly 
Golden Point. You know, the old shootout. It was exciting at the time, you know, on the TV, yes, but it's not overly impressive when it turns into a, just a shoot-a-thon. Mm. Croft had four attempts. I think Smith had one. Dylan Walker's off the post from dummy half. But, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I, I thought Manly, honest, with a better team. So when they did end up winning it, all good. But I, I must say, again, without being biased, once Trebojevic dumped you on his head, I thought he may have got put in the bin. Mm. I wasn't expecting him to, but given what happened with Kotrick and with some of the other tackles over the weekend, I thought for a minute there that he may get sent to the bin. And also from the distance, 40 out, I thought they may have given Munster or someone with a bigger boot a crack from the penalty goal just to have a dig from there. Mm-hmm. I know Smith doesn't have the best leg, but yeah, I, I thought that was an opportunity to give someone like uh, Munster or someone who goal kicks like Croft with a bigger leg a shot at goal. But uh, I honestly thought Melbourne was, uh, sorry, Manly was the better side. Full credit to him. Yeah, well, it was just a, a very, very entertaining game. I love the fact it was low scoring. There was a period there, like in Golden Point, where two conversions hit the sticks within a minute, <coughs> two field goals. Mm. Uh, Melbourne, yeah, they were slightly off their game, but you've got to give credit to Manly for that. Um, it's just excellent. I could, I could have just watched that for 200 minutes. Could have gone all night. Mm. It just turned the Titans game off and made them play twice. <coughs> uh, and look, unfortunately, that's where the competition's going to head. As more teams drop out, you're going to get more Broncos-Titans games, but you're also going to get more Melbourne-Manly games because there's just going to be teams that are uber-competitive, but there's also going to be teams that just pack up. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I've <coughs> loved some Melbourne players before or had some guys that I really, really like, but Brandon Smith, it's hard. Mental. It's hard not to love the bloke. Mental. He is absolutely nuts. The carries off the bench playing at a position, the amount of energy, they made a half break there and you get taught when you're short of numbers to hold the line and absorb. He shot out of the line. I can't remember who it was, but he just smoked someone. He, just, he, he was doing it once a set yeah, he, for a period. He, he was great. Um, him, Fanukin, there was a couple of guys I thought had good games. Jerome, it's been good all year. For Manly, it was all around. But Fanu, for me, like 130 metres out of dummy half, six tackle breaks. The way he's dictating the game from dummy half with the ruck Him speed. and the back rowers have been the, the ones oh, that have really shot Sirden shot this through. year has <clears throat> really come to the fore and showing what we would have liked to have seen earlier. But yeah. Tom had a better late game. than ever for him. Yeah. Good win by Manly. See if they press forward this week at home against Newcastle. Roosters, Dogs, another one of these games I don't really want to talk too much about. I honestly think the Roosters never got out of second gear. I think they Playing with your food. Should have won by more. I should have. I give the Dogs full credit as always for the effort they put in, but uh, at the end of the day, for the Roosters, I, I more looked at this one that the injuries and just generally not, like you said, kicking on with it and trying to bury the result. In the first half there, they had a couple of blowing opportunities or line breaks in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Could have easily been three or four tries down early. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, the biggest story to come out of this one was the fact that you got Cordner, Tokiaho, Rhea Hargrave suspended again, heading into the finals. Not good for him. Uh, I think he had another late shot on Cogger. So I don't know what the charge was, but I saw he got charged earlier. And then you had Butcher not play the game and Ryan Hall out, plus yeah. friend the week before. So for them, count their wounds. But the main spot here, as soon as Holland went in, I, had, I backed it in the try scorers that Manu, would go after him. Manu dragged him into the end goal multiple times and bodies around him. He scored that first try, but he had an absolute field day. A lot of the good stuff they ended up doing or scoring off came off Joseph Manu on that right-hand side. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess for the Bulldogs, it's the same players every week. Dallin's been great since he's been there. Hopuato, Remus, they get some effort across the park, but it, it just is what it is for the Bulldogs. I just more probably give credit to the fact they're still playing this hard at this point in the season, given their situation. Yeah, the other one for the Roosters, I guess I wanted to see Verrills play nine for a full game. Same, I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah, so 
They just play with their food. Dogs, they're competing hard, man. Yeah. You could not be disappointed if, if you didn't pay with that. That's for sure. In the last game of the round, Raiders-Panthers, 30-18. Uh, I think for Penrith, they obviously got that early try when they bid in on that left-hand edge there. Canberra, I think Croker and that kind of come up and bid in. They got around them. But other than that, for the sustained possession they had in the first 10 to 15 minutes, I thought Canberra did really, really well. And most importantly, when you absorb and tackle for 10, 15 minutes and the tackle count was 75 to 25, the first opportunity they got inside 20, they busted Penrith up with a front row. Like it was just Hodgson jumping out, and I think Kenny and the prop outside him were spaced, and Papali went straight through it. Um, without kick out and considering, I thought they fought the whole game, but more what I said earlier, I thought they bought in too much to the frustrating side and the niggle. There's a couple of guys in the Canberra side that do a really good job. You've got Horsburgh who brings some fire off the bench. You've got the two pommies, in particular Bateman, who gets pretty niggly and bait people in and they bring him into the game. And I thought at the end of the day it was more what you said. They, they were too busy with the ref. They were too busy with all the junk. And why I thought they had their moments, I think all that on top of so many opportunities inside 20 and the Raiders just not giving them anything, they turn them away. And that ad-lib kind of style there where they do a lot of crisscrosses and X's and turning around and trying to get guys to come out of the line, Canberra didn't bite into that. Canberra's held their ground. They're up off the line to make sure they put grass behind them and they solved most of what Penrith threw at them. Um, and he, some of the tries that Penrith come up with are absolutely outstanding. I think there, there was two ripper tries in this game. The Aiden Caesar one that was kicked back inside when Bateman went short side and threw the offload. And then when James Maloney <laughs> chipped and chased on fifth play for Fisher-Harris to throw back into Laota. Uh, yeah, for us as tries. spectators, I thought it was actually a pretty good game and a good atmosphere to be at. Yeah, it was. It was great. Sunday at Penrith, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, considering the scoreline, I thought Penrith did pretty well. But I think you see the difference that Kickout brings just down that edge, laying a platform, getting a quick play of the ball. He's a good focal point for them to play off the back of. And um, again, eight wins in a row, bit of a reality check against a side that I think is top four material. And I lost no respect for Penrith out of it either. No, neither did I. <clears throat> I just it'll bring him back to back to earth. I think it's a good loss for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this it gets week, a good side. More importantly, this week, they get a pretty good follow-up game. They get to play the Bulldogs. You know the Bulldogs give 110% effort, but if Penrith is serious, they'll spark straight back up, realise this is a win that gets to help them solidify their spot. And it is, in, in a lot of ways, is a harder game for Penrith than last yeah, week. Yeah, they need to get back up for it and get the job done. But there you go. That wraps up uh, reviews of the games from the weekend. Jumping into the fan questions now, Boxhead. So jumping into what we've got on Facebook first, Brett Sims says, where to now for the Bulldogs, for the club of opportunity? Who do you think they should be looking at in young players coming through? E.g. Harry Grant from the Storm. Well, well, it's too late on that one. Harry Grant's already been <laughs> signed up. And again, there was plenty of clubs that could have used a decent hooker like him. Yes, something along those lines, yes. They need to go and do some of that recruitment. They need to get rid of some of the dead ball. Just keep doing what they're doing. They're, yeah. they're all right. Their effort's there. They're, they've got a good uh, club culture, the dogs. I'll be right. Yeah, I think... They also need to end the speculation around the coach, I think. I think that's poor. Well, yeah. They've re-signed him, and then now there's just rumours after rumours he's going to get sacked. Talking to Flanagan, not talking to Holbrook. Yeah, it's that's ordinary. Yeah, there's a lot, lot going on around that situation. They need clarity, <clears throat> ASAP. Uh, they're doing good things in the 20s and the development pathways. That's something they neglected under Des Hazlitt. They're starting to rebuild. That's always a good start. They're going to have cap space in the next 12 months, and then they can go out to market. And as they've spoke about, they're looking at trying to poach both the Draboyevichs and even if they don't... That's not going to happen. I know, but hopefully they do what clubs try to do and drive the price right up for Manly or put them in uncomfortable positions. just go and blow cash like that. Like, they need to be better with their cap. Yep, I agree with you. But as far as young guys, there's not a whole lot out there that they could probably steal now. Um, but in the future, I'm sure they keep their eyes open. Duncan Bridgeford's Ash, uh, Ashes predictions. Looks like this could be potentially the closest series since 05. 
two quality bowling lineups and two batting lineups who could both be rocks or diamonds should be a cracker. I have no idea. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't watched the whole of the cricket in <laughs> more recent times, to be honest. But I, I would lean England. They've just won the World Cup. And They're we're playing on in England. Soil. And we suck batting over there with a four-piece duke. So. Well, we can't bat here, living yeah. over there. So that worries me. For that reason, with the four-piece on their pitches, I'd say England. But, yeah. But it'd be nice to have something on TV to fall asleep to. Oh. It's always good to have the cricket <clears> on. <throat> something you can just flick on and watch. Adam Ingaris has had a mate of mine with sweet with an idea. Just want your thoughts. Four for a win, three for a golden point win, one for a golden point loss, two if it's a straight draw. We've had this one multiple times, mate. I'm not a fan of it. To me, straight up and down how it is now, but I'd rather it just either be a draw or there's a result. No, it should be four for a win, three for a golden point win. Yeah. So you're saying that normal two wins for a have to be point, No, it should be two for a golden point loss. Um, I think it was three two one that we were looking at. There was a, yeah, there was a I system there that it. I thought would work well, but I, I heard some people this week talking about <clears throat> um, having you know get a point each and then one point for the winner and golden point. Well, it makes it a three point match. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Whatever, whatever the maximum amount of points for a game, every game needs to be worth that. Yeah, and that's my point. To me, it's either you've won so, the game, you've had a draw, or you've lost. So I'd rather just either not have golden point unless it's finals and we need a result. And I think I think the model I was looking at was three for a win, two for a golden point win, one for a golden point loss. Well, I just rather so there's no draw. You know what I like when they just play the whole ten minutes. They don't worry. Well, about you know what goals. I like? Fucking just get rid of golden point. Yeah, but in the finals, I like how they have to play the 10 minutes. That's right. Field goal I don't, matter, I don't so. even understand how we go from a regular season with one rule into the finals with another rule. Oh, we need a result, so we have to we'll give them 10 out. to make it fair. Because after well, no, the grand after final, that, no after that, after that, goes to golden point after the 10. Yeah, but no one was happy after the 2015 grand final. Wayne Bennett started that, and it's like, okay. So because the game ended basically with a field goal, they're like, well, in finals now, we'll play the whole 10 minutes. Like we'll make well, it, it used like that to be like time. that. It used to be like that oh, until like they that. implemented that's goal That's fine point. for me because that means straight away it doesn't turn into a field goal. Shit. I reckon an NRL game should be like that. Yep. I agree. Regular Either season, that or sure. it's a draw. Plain and simple. Just have a draw. But the whole points thing, I'm, I'm not a fan <laughs> of complicating everything. John Butterworth, more of a statement, but if the McInnes charge down isn't the charge down of the century, then I'm not here. It was a crack effort play, mate, and he's, he's really having a red-hot crack in a side that's struggling, that's for sure. Lawrence Kelson says, just a question on tactics. When teams like the Storm or Manly use wide ball early and move the ruck around. What's the best way for teams to defend that style? He said he also met John Bateman. Couldn't understand a thing he said, but seems like a champion. Yeah, he does seem like a champion. Well, I think teams usually compress up hard when you're in like yardage and trying to bring it out a good ball. So if you shift early, you're playing out into spaces. The way to counter that, I guess, is you have to cut it off by getting up hard on the outside to put them under even more pressure where they're going to have to throw a risky pass over the top or put a kick in earlier. Things like you're just not willing to do, but... Realistically, you've got to win the ruck prior to that yeah, play the ball to stop them from getting out there. If they're playing the ball quick, you, there's no way of countering it because there's no way you can cut it off. No, but you're right in that the cutting off, cutting off is the point. Is the line speed? If you, but if you, you can't do that without winning that ruck. That's why the wrestle and all the ruck control stuff is 
just at the forefront of everything in the game at the moment, whether people like it or not. And that's why. Because it's that's where the game starts starts and ends. And again, all the thing, it's just Melbourne. Like fuck, wake up. It's not Melbourne, it's everyone. Everybody Please. does it. Stop it. Said it a hundred times before at Canberra, we had a wrestling coach, they put bloody They've turf all got in wrestling for us. coaches. They've all got it. They love it. There's fucking junior league teams that have got wrestling coaches. <laughs> exactly. Blake Dixon, thoughts on Holbrook to the Titans. Is he proven enough to save their existence? What would their reasoning have been against going heavily at Tim Sheens and will the Titans last another two or three Tim years? Tim Sheens just got sacked by Hull KR. Yeah. Tim Sheens is almost 70. He's past the point of dealing with a rebuild and the modern game over here. He doesn't want to go into a job like that. That's no different than no offence to your argument the other week about going for a Bellamy or someone. Why would a Craig Bellamy want to come into a situation like that? I understand that. that. Yeah. But I'd be emptying the bank oh, I'm to get in there. But I'm just saying, if I'm Craig Bellamy... What is Bellamy, your price, Craig Bellamy? Three million? Here you go. There it is. If, they, if you're really serious about saving the club... Yeah, I agree with you. You've either got to find the next Bellamy, and I think at the moment Holbrook or um, O'Brien would be the two that I would think are the next potential Robinson, Bellamy, Maguire, that type that, mm. that broke through. Or you go and get one that you know is he's good. Yeah. He's elite. And Bellamy's family lives on the Gold Coast. Yeah, so but they had a crack last time. Is my point? I get and they that. Still I get, get that. Yeah. What I'm saying is they should have. They should go and have a crack. What's the worst going to say? No. Okay. Go and have a crack. Just like every player, every team does or club does when good players come off contract. Do you think they all say yes? Well, they can't. It's no. impossible. But it doesn't mean the questions don't get asked. No, I think they've picked the best candidate available given their situation. That's what I think, Blake. Is it going to save their existence? Well, only time's going to tell. But I still think for We're not me, according to Wayne Bennett. I don't like the Malmeninga whole thing over the top and all the bits and pieces. Holbrook's <laughs> coming in. They all need to get the fuck out of the way and hand the reins Malmeninga's over. Malmeninga's a relic of the Garth Brennan era because they brought him in because they didn't trust Garth Brennan. Yeah, so that's my whole point. If I, I wouldn't have taken this job if it's got Mal attached to it and people I don't think Mal's there on. for long term anyway. He's Australian coach. Yeah, well, let's hope that he gets a clean crack at it and they're patient because given the situation... Oh, he'll get a clean it's crack. It's not an overnight job, that's for sure. Zach Gavin, I know there's plenty of footy left this year, but I'd like to get your predictions for the Dallium so far. He likes Pierce, Munster, or Tedesco. Well, I'll tell you what. If the, if the Warriors won more games, I think Sheck would be a candidate to go back-to-back because he's been their best player. Well, how many points do you reckon Sheck got on the weekend? He should have got two. Well, that's my thing. In a lot of these losing games, they still find a way to force the two-point on the winning side, which yeah, I think so is I bullshit. Think, yeah, like, Sheck could, could almost have been the three points. They only lost by two. He, he probably was the best player on the field. Who was better? Nathan Brown was good. I still think he was better. I think so the best I. player on the field. Almost every, almost every game he's involved with, he's. In I, I want to know. I'm really going to be interested in some of it. We should write some of these down. I hate so the on Dallium night, we should. Write, I'm going to write down right now. Give me a pen. Let's start writing some of these down. Gold, the golden point, uh, Dallium points. Anyone's got any that you think? Are, um, what round was it? Round 19. Yeah. The weight just gone. Yeah. 19. Yeah. First para. RTS, we reckon he should have got three. There you go. Yeah. Let's keep that list. We'll keep that list right there, big boy. I don't think we'll he would have got those. it. I think they would have given it to he Brown or Moses. But again, to me, if you're watching a game, I don't care if you won. Who was the best player on the field? Which is why I said before, I know the origin thing got complicated, but for me, if you did this how you're supposed to do it, that every week you polled three, two, once for both sides at the end of the year, they accumulated the best player in the comp because that's what the medal's called. Yeah. The Dalliums for the best player in the comp. You should not, not be punished. The team that with yeah, the most you should wins not be punished player, for yeah. playing against the team. If you lose by one, 
and then they just give but it to the guy. there's a reverse argument as well in the fact that you've got a team like Melbourne when they had all those stars yeah. that they all used to pinch points off each other, again. so they rarely won it. But that, it was only when those, those guys had a real break Again, though, they would have been rewarded for their consistency if you gave 3-2-1 all the way around. I think it would give everybody a fairer chance if you're the best player. No, but what team. I'm saying, that's the opposite end of it. Yeah. But so anyway, let, let yeah, I, I I think that's interesting. I'm glad we started that list. Let's let's have one of those every week. I We're just, a losing player who we think was the best or at least close to the best player on the field, well, and write down what we think they when should. When it have went behind closed doors, because it it, it it plays a massive role. When it went behind closed doors, I didn't see. Doesn't matter. We the leaderboard, but I I think mate, out of the ones you've put up there, I know Munster was right up there. I think he oh. went. He's been quiet since then. To be honest, I don't think he would have polled many. Pierce got five or six men in the matches in a row, so you'd think yeah, he'd yeah. be right up there, like Ken Pierce. I got on Pierce the other week. I, I should have, I should have said really. this on the pod. I have a look here. I got. Hang on. Tedesco would have polled during Origin definitely a couple of times. They give them points there. So I got Mitchell Pierce on the 11th of July at 450. Hmm. Well, I think obviously after their losing streak, he hasn't polled many. He hasn't. Recently, they need to pull no. things back together. But maybe I am the. I was the start of the. You've you brought the rot. The Titans I, curse has I, come I, on board. You've gamble, rubbed off on Mitchell Pierce. Gamble on everything and ruin everything. Of the three names you got there, though, Zach, I think Tedesco would be your most likely after the origin period coming up. I, you know what? I have zero idea because I have zero faith in how the system works. Yeah. Which Fair is enough. highlighted by our discussion. Yeah. Daniel Ferguson says, unpopular opinion. I don't think the refing has been that bad. For most, I've said these forward passes, if you want to make the call on the run, you have to accept the mistakes. That yeah. touchy was in line with RTS ball. And it was forward, even though it was an amazing effort. I thought it was forward too. I'd be more upset with the gradings of things being put on report. Well, we're upset with that. Yeah, we went in particular that. because I thought the gradings were bullshit. I can understand both sides of the argument for that pass. So, like I said, we both thought the opposite end of it. But I thought the other calls throughout the game, there were some shit calls. Daniel, you know what? It's not an unpopular opinion. It's no, your opinion. That's right. And you're entitled to it. Everyone's and entitled I agree to it. And I agree with you on the forward pass. We disagree on that. But we're, we just get on with it. Yeah. James O'Fur first says, thoughts on Nathan Brown's outside back chains. If you are dropping Raymond, you are getting Fitzgibbon back into 12. Wouldn't it make more sense throwing Sione to centre and leaving Hunt on the wing, mm. seeing as though Manly's back three are all bigger and better in the air than Kurt Mann? Plus, Mann coming out of yardage is way worse than Hunt, plus Mann is not a winger. Also, Jared Wallace is a shoe-in for passenger of the year. Love the pod, boys. Mate, you I make a real little, good point. I had a little snap about Jared Wallace earlier. Yeah, you make a real good point about the yardage side of things. I think they really like Kurt Man, but the same problem again. A few weeks ago, they were saying we just wanted to play him in one position, and we're settled on it. And after a few poor weeks defensively, they've chucked him now onto the wing. He's played fullback. He's played six. He was going to be a hooker. Like what is he? Um, for me, I think Ramian. Somewhat, it's a statement. Brown's just trying to make. A I get that, but I think you've dropped the guy who's busted the second most tackles in the comp, and I don't think he's got a lot of early ball based off defence and again looking at some of the reads or things that have happened I think it's more on man than it is on Ramian mm. you can't save someone who can't fucking tackle every single time they go there I'd have to it, look Brown would have his reasons yeah and that's why I and said he, there he, might be something have, I don't know about because I'm not there we're not watching it as closely as what Nathan Brown is and we're not we're also not at training so he's yeah but Heimel Hunt certainly has done a good job playing since he got pushed <laughs> to the wing uh, out of yardage he's a big body he's been great this year in general for mm. Newcastle but they really like Kurt Mann, obviously, because they're trying to find a spot for him there, mate. So, interesting to see how that plays out this week. Chris Talafoa says, are the, why are the refs so bad this year? Should we go back to one ref? Mm. I think there's been a lot of talk for years I It's now. never going to happen, Chris. So It's pushed past that point, especially with the Rucks now. That's why they've got that pocket ref. They're never going to change that. I like think. one ref, mate, but... yeah, you it's... know. And then, and then if we went to one ref, there'd be things they'd miss, and we'd say go back to two... 
I just think it's here to stay, so we've just got to accept it. Yeah. Steve Delaney Cruz, I'm a recent NFL convert. What, if anything, do you think the NRL could learn from the way the NFL does things? Conferences. I don't like the conferencing. I love conferences. I think we're different. As a country, it's not as all spread out. We don't have as much content and people to kind of do that. I think it'll make a much more equitable draw, competition, game day experience we could learn a lot of. Um, Yeah, you could say that about all American sports. Mm. David Asik says, when watching the game, both at the ground and on TV, what are some of the things you look for that the casual fan may not necessarily be uh, paying attention to, e.g. market offence, when the wingers drop back, how the hooker is probing, body language, etc.? I'd love to hear what you look at as coaches with your experience and what are little nuggets to keep an eye out for. I think you need to be at the ground because it's very, very hard to analyse a game when you're just... The camera is always on the ruck. It's not on things off the ball, so... Um, yeah, I, I look at things just defensively, look at line speed on both sides of the ball. I always look at the soft side of the ruck. So soft side of the yeah. ruck is where the ball doesn't go. Are they tying What in? is that second marker up? doing? Is the line coming up? Is the is that A defender? So the first defender behind the marker is on that negative side. Is he tying back in with his marker? Um, and then just little things. Contact. Yeah. Are they sticking in their contact? Are Kick they off chase. the line? Are they pushing up together? Yeah, kick yeah. chase. Line speed's a big one for me, especially being in the middle. I want to see like first three defenders both sides, plus what Brock said, those guys outside coming up. <laughs> are guys making efforts off the ball, like a bloke's just running one out, tucking it? Is there push on carries? Is your fullback pushed around the right? There's all small things that you're looking at. Just when you and when you're looking at shape, a team's playing to the corner post. And what I mean by that is are they are they playing nice and direct and straight and going yeah. are they hips and square? making the defence make decisions or are they running towards the corner post just yeah. going through their plays? Playing pre line, you know, passing. And there's a lot of that because the game's so structured that teams just roll through their plays and just think that's gonna break the defence down and go away from the fundamentals around I guess committing defenders and, and playing with tempo. And what we mean by tempo is playing slow to fast or fast to slow and just trying to get a read out of a defender. Um, also, where they catch it, are they catching it behind the play of the ball, up on the play of the ball? Um, who's pushing inside, outside? It's just a whole heap of stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> Jordan Webb again. But the best way is to watch it from the grandstand in a coach's box when you can get a perspective of the whole field. Yeah, Jordan Webb again. RTS, we're split on that one, mate. In the past, Sean Chan says Brownie seems to make changes to the team every week. As a coach yourselves, what do you look before changing the team, dropping players, and does keeping combinations ever make you keep the same side? Personally, I think the constant change in the team has led to some woeful edge defence, constantly changing those combos. Pretty appalled that it's round 20 and we still don't know what our best side Look, I, like. <clears throat> I have a golden rule around selections, that every week is a new week. Every week um, I make decisions based on that week, what I think is best for the team that week. I don't think you can have rules on selections because as soon as you have a rule on selections, you've got to stick by it. Um, because a lot of the time you think, well, I'm going to fucking drop that player. Because he's just done the wrong thing. Unless it's something that is within your... Just your non-negotiables. If they've broken one of those, you're out. doesn't matter whether the player coming in is as good or as bad. But I always look at... Okay, they might not have performed that great, but the, is the player coming in better than them? If the answer's no, then are you making a decision that's based on the best interests of the team? Or are you making a decision that's based on you and wanting to make a statement about you as a coach? Yeah. That's always a very, very fine line for me. Uh, <clears throat> and I guess, look, coaching at the Panthers with just the stacks of talent that we had, our philosophy is we're probably a little bit more cutthroat 
because the, the, the difference between the player that was coming in and the player that's going out is minimal. At West and West Tigers, where I am now, the difference can be significant. So there's a lot more coaching and management that goes on with your team selection. So you, you can't have a steadfast rule on selections, but I also think you've just got to be honest with your players. Go and have conversations with your players. Coach shit out of them. I, I'm a very big fan of squads, naming squads. Here we go. Here's our squad, boys. And, you know, a lot of the time it's sort of, well, mate, I'm, I'm looking at dropping you this week, but I'm going to see how you react at training this week because I'm not happy with ABC that you did. Show them on video. Get their opinion. Talk to them, have a conversation, and then get on with your week. And you want to see a response out of, um, you know, the decision or the conversation that you've had. So I, there's a whole heap of stuff that goes into selecting teams and making changes. Touching on one point that he has made, though, whether you say it out loud or not, you're not trying to change your spine constantly or your edges if you've got the right players there. You think the like, form's obviously a big part of it and you wouldn't announce it to them, but you're not trying to chop and change your spine. And we said at the start of the year, they need to sort out their nine, they need to sort out their six. Once they've stopped messing around with Ponga and the halves, we know who their one and seven are. Mm. For me, if they're moving Levi on and Braley's coming in and Watson's there, I think Watson's best spot for them if they've got Braley coming to you, play him at You six. know what? It's also who you play. Because you could have play, inferior players in and a poorer combination, but you're playing bottom sides and you're winning. Then you could have a very, very good com, uh, combination in and you're playing Melbourne and the Roosters and you lose. Mm. So you shouldn't let results... Um, determine your selections either. Yeah, <clears throat> agree. Paul Fernandez, when a field goal is being set up, why doesn't a player drop behind the kicker in case of a charge down? That's a fair point. It's a fair point, but I think most of the time those extra bodies try and run obstruction, even though they're not supposed to run obstruction. But yeah, you should probably have your long side winger coming around and sweeping, yeah. or your short side winger coming around and sweeping. It's not a bad point. Or you can cover, or again, if you don't have a fullback that a kicks point. like some do, you should think that your fullback might be hanging around that ruck area, 10, 15 deep, just in case something goes down. But it is a fair point. Sam Guitardo says from his mate Gavin, who put uh, him onto us. Cheers for that, mate. He believes. Holbrook's an inspired choice and he's the next Bellamy or Robinson. Do you agree, bro? Yeah, I like it. Similar to what you just said before. Well, and I've I've said this this a few weeks ago when Brennan was sacked. The thing I like about Holbrook is when I watch his teams play, there's details. And that, to me... They do all the little things. Speaks to coaching, speaks to preparation, speaks to organisation and tells me he's effective. Mm. So, can he get that out of the Titans? Not you know, not many have been able to do it. No, uh, but it's a different challenge for him. He's capable. If he gets fired by the Titans, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to talk to Justin Holbrook. It's going to again talk to the playing group and talk to the organisation. Well, I was the, the biggest. The, the best thing that Brent, came out of the Titans. I, I think the Titans is just a poison chalice. The best thing that came out of the Titans in the last month was when the um, I think Daryl Kelly said, "It's not Garth that's failed. We've all failed." Yeah, and that was accurate. It's the smartest thing that's been said of the yeah. Titans in the whole season. Yeah. Eric Smith, who would win a game between 17 Caelan Pongers or 17 Sam Burgesses? I would say the Pongers would win. Well, if it's 13 on 13, I think the Burgesses would have a pretty bloody good chance. He's pretty mobile for a big man. It's, it's good we're never going to have to worry about it. That's right. It's, it's a confusing thought. He plays big minutes and he's a big board and he's mobile enough, but lots of <laughs> Pongers would mean lots of quick rucks and that, but I think they'd struggle to get going in yardage with a bunch of psycho Sams running down trying to kill him. So that might be interesting. Mm. They'd struggle to contain him defensively as well, but hypotheticals, got to love them. Luke Della says, who do you boys think will finish in seventh and eighth? Well, 
It's bloody hard. I tell you what they've you brought. You tell me, Luke. I tell you what they've brought back, and I'm happy about it because it pissed me off they dropped last year. The ladder predictors back. They had on Is their it? website. You could tamper with it every single week and have a look at games yeah, and injuries and form. They got rid of it. I have no idea why. Suddenly it popped up two weeks ago again. I was like, fuck. What genius idea that was. Surely that had lots of clicks before and suddenly removed it. Why would you ever get rid of the ladder predictor? <laughs> That's how I used to make my futures bets on the run home. I used to look at some things and come together and I'm like, this is handy as all shit. Yep. NRL.com. What are you doing? Um, looking at who's outside of it right now, again, not looking at the draw, I honestly don't think it'll change a whole lot. I think Newcastle may have left their run a bit late now. Yeah given the fact they started the year so slow, the win streak and then the origin period obviously hurt them. Realistically, of the outside teams right now, I think the Sharks and the Tigers probably have a better chance of getting in, but I, I haven't looked at their draws. Mm. But I think, you know, looking at Brisbane, the fact that they get to play like four of their last five, even though two of them are against teams outside of Suncorp, like playing the Titans on the Gold Coast like they did on the weekend, playing the Cowboys up there, like that, that helps that they're staying in-state. Uh, Melbourne this week's obviously a tough test for them, but yeah, I think those three teams are the only ones with a real chance, but I, I don't, I really don't know, Luke. Uh, again, without looking at the draws, without injuries, but the eight as it is right now, I think... Yeah, I think we're getting closer to I it. I think that's about right. And then the Knights. Bar Newcastle who and the Sharks who bombed through that massive period, but... Who knows? They're playing. The Tigers have got a good draw as well. They're at Leichhardt this week, uh, and then they've got the Bulldogs, I think, in the week after. Mm. I don't know the Sharks have got, but if the draw, they've got South. A lot of those teams play test. each other as well. I know the, the Tigers then play Newcastle, and they also play the Sharks in, so, in the last round. Depending so. on those results, they're all going to It's all going to, yeah, work itself out. So it, it's going to be confusing until they all kind of play the next two or three weeks. Ben Robinson, what's one rule you'll change and one rule you want? Well, we've said this one. Oh. Seven tackle set. Yeah, fuck it off. Get rid of Get it. Get rid of the seven tackle The other tackle one, set. Uh, the one I'd, I want is the 18th man. I think yeah. Michael Cheekham was a gold one. Yeah. It was an accidental knockout. Bang. Replacement Tigers should player. be able to have him straight on. There you go. Or again, able to bring someone up. And they're not they're not uh, disadvantaged. No. With Through an accident. Paul Kay, one for Brock. If you watched the Titans game, how long was it till you switched it off? And would you like me to come and give you a quote to repair the remote and stubby holes in your wall and ceiling? Mm. Listen, Paul, I'll give everyone a advice who watches a shit team play. And look, there's not many. There's not many Titans fans out there. So just indulge. Let me indulge for a second. I watch Titans games on time six. What that means is, is that I do not watch my shit team for 80 minutes. I watch them for 13.5 minutes. You watch it on fast forward. On time six. So try it because you can follow the game. Yeah. It's just in time six. You can six. see rucks, field position, see kicks. everything. Kicks, shit play, but it only really just fizzes past my brain. I don't have to absorb it. So I don't get cranky. It's probably long enough for me to be apprehensive, then be let down and be let down again. And then just think, I can't wait until this 13 minutes is over. And then my life goes on. Fair enough. Robert Temesvare says, Lads, I heard Louis coined the beers on the hill at Penrith a couple of Charles Burukowski's and had a good laugh. I know Boxhead isn't a huge fan of the fan questions, but hopefully this lightens the mood. Here's a couple more for you to throw in the mix next time you're on the Froth Whitlams. Did you meet Robert on the weekend? No. no. I didn't. Scooey, scooey, moi moi's. Denzel Frothingtons. That's a good one. Macaulay Cold Ones. I like that one. Macaulay Cold Ones. <laughs> well played. That's Daily good. Cherry Bevies. Robert Downey Schooners. Mate, my favourite Schoonami. Oh, Get a Schoonami down your neck. But that's good stuff, Robert. I'm a fan of your work. 
good one. Who, who did you run into on the hill? What game was that? That was the South game. No, it wasn't uh, the South game. Yeah, wait. I think it was... That was the Dragons game. Who did you run into? Jamie. There you go. One that's in the inbox, I'm pretty sure. He's a local Penriflat. I think he even went to Dom's where he went to. Did he? From memory. So he was one I bumped in the hill. Okay. But I didn't see him. You come over and said someone's pegged me on the hill. I've had two or three peg me before, but most people don't no say... No one's pegged me. I'll, and I'll tell you what, I was in a pretty violent mood. People at, don't at say their name on. most of the time. And if I don't look at the photos, which I don't, because we get a lot of messages, it's pretty hard to recognise. But Jamie's, I'd seen the mugshot before and bumped into him and then I recognised him from school. So I'd, um, I'm pretty sure he went I'd else. been up doing the Darling Harbour 10K from 6am, first beer at the Orient at about 10.30. Um, so we were, me and a few mates were well-oiled once we got to Penrith Stadium. I was well over the um, week before, but that was a work birthday party. But it was, uh, it was good. Cracker, cracker atmosphere. Yeah, it was great. Stephen Moorcroft, <laughs> you've been offered the head a coaching role at the Titans. Number one, do you take it and how much do you ask for? And number two, what is the first thing you do when you get uh, when you do get hired, including the ability to fire or hire any staff? I'd wipe all the coaching staff that's here now. No offence to them. Steve, I, with all due respect. But I wouldn't I, take I would, the job. I would take so. it. Because... There's only 16 of them available. Um, how much would I ask for? I'd want at least half a mil. So 500k, and then I'd just I'd put a lot of handcuffs in there, make the eight. I want an extra or whatever performance things like similar what Nathan Brown's done. And then the first thing you would do, geez, um, I think the first thing I'd do is just try and get my head around the salary cap, and then I'd yeah I'd I'd, I'd probably interview every member of staff. Yeah, first, but I, I think again. Uh, it was just—it was a real random bunch. I think they, relationships from from a coaching point of view, the relationships you with you, you have with your coaching staff are vital. Yeah, because as soon as they're time. off, as soon as they're off you, and they're working against you, yeah, it's it just the right goes south. Maximizes your time or minimizes south. your time. If you've got good assistants and people you can trust, you can delegate tasks and trust that they're going to do their job. Yeah. If you've got someone there who's trying to stick the knife in, take your job. Or is buying him the players or having coffees or ripping around on the side, well then you're working. No, look, I, I want someone I, I really do want someone there who wants my job. Not my job, but wants to be wants a head, to coaching be a head job. Coach. That's I That's don't have fine. a problem with that. I think the the best way to uh, I guess accommodate people like that or, or coaches like that is to give them as much responsibility as you can that you're comfortable and just keep developing them. Yep. And push them to go for other jobs and other opportunities. Blake Copeland, in the wake of Mark Coyne electing to stand down as he didn't have the full support of all 16, what do we have to do to get rid of Peter Beattie the moron? I don't mind Peter Beattie. Like, I hear him talk sometimes and think, like, I really like what you've said. Other times I think you're a knucklehead. Um, I, I don't know. Again, who comes in? Like, if it's for Phil Gould or someone yeah. that you think could do a better job, yeah, but just for the fact that you don't like Peter Beattie... I always, I always think whenever you're making a decision like that, it's got to be for someone better. Yeah, that's so. Who thing. is it? Um, for me, it'd be it'd be Gus. Just get Gus in there. Mm. Have to be someone better. Uh, Jason McGrath says, not so much a question for the podcast, more going to the Titans Roosters game this week, and was wondering if you boys will be there. Yes, I'll be wearing my Titans jersey, even though there's a very high chance we'll get the shit kicked out of us. We'll get the shit kicked out of us. It's my daughter's first birthday party on Sunday, so... so no dice, unfortunately. I won't be there. Um, and to be honest, even if I had nothing on, I wouldn't be there. Um, Fair enough. I watched them at Penrith a month ago, and that that was the last time I'll be uh, walking through a gate to watch them play. Until I see something. They've, they've been worse since then. That was the last game Garth Brennan coached, and in the, in the two since then, they've been worse... Yeah, 
Josh Armo says, do you think if the Knights miss the eight, Brown is gone? Well, for me, no. I think it would take them to lose like four or five of the last six, get blown out, and absolutely just go know. off the rails. And again, um, I know they got O'Brien or a couple of guys they could probably look at, but I still stand by. I think he's done a good job. I think it's been a slow burn. He's had to deal with a lot of shit, and I think he deserves another Not year. Not now yet. Not, what's he had to deal with this year? Plenty. Like what? We're not going to start this again. No, but, what, this he, no, but what has he had to deal with this year? Well, he got things back on track. But what are we, what are we talking start. about in terms of what has he had to deal with? To get to this point is more what I'm getting at. Yeah, but this year he hasn't had to deal with a lot. Well, they had the slow the start. Inconsistent performances. And they flipped that yes. around. And then the origin period obviously had a bit of an effect and a couple of injuries in yeah, bits and pieces. And like, look, at, look at someone like the Roosters. I know, and, but they're not the Roosters. Like, they don't have the talent No, the I understand that. But I don't know. To say that, I think there's a, there's a heap more clubs who have dealt with more this year. Uh, I, look, I, I think they've probably overachieved to, to be where they are based on the way they've played. Um, I think I, th- I thought he was lucky to keep his job early in the year, and we disagreed on that. But mm-hmm. look, I'm not going to. Again, they, they've lost. What have they lost now? Five of the last six, something like that. I, I don't. I don't know. Like when they won seven in a row, everyone's saying Brownie's a genius. Now they've lost five of six. To me, I just I'm looking at the whole his whole tenure there. I'm not really looking at and basing my opinion on whether they're winning or losing right now. I I've just got question marks on whether he can take them to that next level to be a top four side. I, that's all. Yeah, well, I don't think they've got a top four roster yet, in my opinion. But I think they're close. Yeah. Uh, they're beating top four sides. So Omar Haydar, I'm not a Dragons fan. However, do you think it is awkward considering DeBelling is training week in, week out as if he was going to line up that weekend? Yes. Is it time for the Dragons to give him a tap on the shoulder and ask him to take a payout to move on from the club mm. as the court cases could drag on for years? Unsure if this is the cause of the poor season, but I'd find it incredibly awkward. I I feel as though there needs to be some resolution in the Jack DeBellin case by the start of pre-season in November. Well, I think the bigger thing even... I, I feel if... if Look, and DeBellin's facing more charges now. I, I just, I'd be mortified if, if if DeBellin was uh, not guilty and he's had to go through this. Well, this is the thing. You can't, ex- you can't expedite it because he's an elite athlete, but mate, geez, he's losing some really key years in his career, isn't he? Here, and you know, how long is it going to take him to recover from this? It's probably going to take another year. The damage in this is at least two years. And they're saying that this court case is going to go into next year. So really, it's going to be three years. Well, on top of that, and if, the impact if, if having he's clear and coming off, then no one's going to give him a big deal. I, I, I feel I really, I feel really torn on this because as a coach, you always want what's best for the team. However, if they sternly believe that he's not guilty, or they believe they've what got, he's saying, yeah, then, they've yeah. got a they've got a responsibility for the player welfare of Jack DeBellin. Well, they do turf him. Say, here's some money. Fuck off. We don't want you here. Well, the, at the moment, he's still getting paid his wage and he's allowed to be there. I think the bigger oh, thing for the Dragons is you need to go to the NRL and say, look... This has got to be sped you, up. You've, you've offered us like 200 grand of like a $600,000 player and we can't replace him, but he's here, but we're hamstrung by this. I like, don't even think it's that. I think it's more him being being there. Like, let, if, if he can train, and we know this is going to drag on for another year, let him fucking play. I'm starting to lean... I'm like more, I, I, I understand that no yeah. fault stand down, I get that, 
but I do think there needs to be a point in time where you go, this has gone on too long. Well, both ways, like I said, it was going to be a no-win situation because if they don't let him play and he's found not guilty, it's going to be absolute outrage that they wasted his career and it's been two years and the NRL stopped him. If they let him play mm. and then he's found guilty, everyone's going mm. to flip out and go crazy and say, well, you let a convicted yeah. bloody rapist or criminal play. I really think behind the scenes, this, and they might be doing it now, so we don't know. But, man, by November, when the Dragons roll up to pre-season training, they need an answer. They're, like all teams, there's close groups and there's guys there. Like, it definitely would affect people, whether people want to believe it or not. It's not fault of St. George of Laura. No, it's not in fault of the club. It's got nothing to do with the club. And I don't think people... But yet the club, in some small part of, of it, yeah. it, has an effect on them and it has an effect on their players because they're mates and play with him and their teammates and... There's a, there's, whether people like it or not, I know this year's been terrible for Dragons fans. There's a lot of frustration. That's had a lot bigger effect than a lot of people think. <laughs> I know they're sick of hearing excuses, but that has definitely had a bigger effect than what people are giving credit for. I think it's more the just the uncertainty around it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Matty Johnson, how the hell did Jakey T get off? Who well, knows? Again, I think a lot of people would, at least with the grading and the last one on Facebook, <clears throat> Craig Jones said similar. The consistency of sin bins is bullshit. Talking about Ponga. Tevita Pangai. We said Ponga Bin didn't do anything. We did. He hit him in the head and knocked him out. Well, yeah. It was an accident, but he hit him in the head and knocked him out. So he did not do anything. Yeah, I think it was, like I said, more off the ball. I'm not saying he didn't do anything, but that was more an incident in a game where Tevita Pangai Jr. been pretty contentious. I don't think it was contentious at all. No. Nah. Going off these incidents of the weekend, refing should Jake Farouk not have been binned in golden period. Well, I agree. He should have been now. sent. If you're going to line it up with Kotrick's... Yeah, and that was a frustration there on some of the consistency side of things. <laughs> Heading over to Twitter. Gavin says, Gents, money question, two parts. Semi Radrara maybe wants to come back. In your opinion, what is the best winger in the NRL or game worth? And if you were managing a club roster, what would you pay for your best winger? If he's the best winger in the NRL... He's probably got to be, what, six, seven hundred k Yeah, well, you're talking now yardage, finisher, impact player, able to break a game open. So your likes of your Fergusons and these kind of guys talking about the money there. On, Why aren't they saying that Sevo's going to get $2 million over three years? So nah, Sevo's going to get $1 million over three years. He's a middle, mid-20s guy who's just had to play first grade. Okay. I think when you're talking about your Josh Addo cars, you're not so much a well, yardage guy, right but damaging. And if you've got a Rad Rara before... Rad Rara, no thanks. He's, got, he's been away for too long. And he I had don't, drama I don't when want to pay here too. I don't know. Parramatta don't need Semi. No, nah, well, they've already got two guys now. Yeah, they've got Ferguson on about 600 mean. grand apparently themselves. Uh, He's the best yardage uh, winger or close we'll, to the we'll game. We'll see whether he comes back or not. He might just be fishing. You know. Absolute best winger in the game if we're talking mass yardage, good finishing ability, ticks all the boxes, international origin level player. I'd, I'd be willing to pay 600 hmm. for the best winger. They're more important now, again, like we spoke about, than people give credit for in the modern game. Calvin Hewitt, how do you guys see the NRL fixing the ref blunder that was last round without overdoing it like normal? Well, again, we either go one extreme where we're review, too reactive or... Review, try and get better. Yeah, that's Just all like the players do. and coaches. Slomax says, when will the Warriors get a prop that isn't too big with no lateral agility, passy or foe or just too small to play the position like a Defunga? Worst front row in contact defensively entire comp year after year. It's the reason they give up back-to-back scores all the time. I think Pass has actually had a pretty good year and he brings skill off the ball and he's more mobile for what he's saying. What you are getting at, though, as far as the defensive side of things, I completely agree. All those guys do struggle laterally or making contact. I think that's more that flip side that we get to as coaches. It's frustrating that you've got to love to play both sides of the ball. I think they've got a lot of guys that enjoy playing on the attacking side of the ball and very creative and very damaging, but in attack, they're not willing to do the work. Mm. Unfortunately, there is some guys in the comp that do not 
like playing both sides of the ball, but it seems to have been a common theme over a long period of time that Warriors teams don't defend well back-to-back sets or multiple efforts inside 20 or on their goal line. They just find it too hard, in particular in the middle of the field. James Hughes, the Raiders are second in defence this year. Have you noticed a change in their principles from 2018? Their contact's a lot better. Their wrestling's a lot better. better. Yeah, they're they, fitter, they're more mobile. Yeah. Um, they and... work harder from the inside. They get out of marker. They get off the line. They get numbers in the tackles. Yeah. Their edge decisions are much better. They used to hold or slide and be really, really negative. They have moments, like on the weekend, that first try. I thought they kind of held and jumped in last minute, but... All round, I think they're much better in all facets. But number one is just energy, intent, and effort. They're, they're constantly there for one another. They scramble well, and they get off the line, and they get numbers in front. Like in the past, you'd catch them flat. You'd steal 10 metres almost every ruck. They'll caught on the back foot. Um, and I think a big part of that comes to the change in the forward pack, going from such a big lumbering pack to a much more mobile side. Darren Korn says again, Warriors saying they lost because of a ref. They scored from a knock-on. RTS passed forward. How about the Warriors get consistent with their level of footy before blaming others? Do you guys agree? Well, we said it before. Said I said as the referees before, yeah. are as inconsistent as the Warriors. Yep. Jay, any signing news for the Dogs? Hearing lots of rumours and nothing ever seems to actually happen. No idea. Yeah, well, again, I, <laughs> no I, idea. you've heard the people they're I chasing. They're, I think they're leaking a lot to try and appease fans. Yeah, and I think they're chasing a lot of blokes, but again, it's hard to appeal to bigger names, especially at this but point But who's off time. contract, and it's not November 1, so you can't really... They're in a holding pattern at the moment. Yeah. Slow Max again said the big blokes can't match the footwork of the opposition with results in progression over the advantage line. Tavaga doesn't have the strength to prevent yardage after contact, not to mention the ill-discipline of going for big shots. Well, that's, that's to more top. to the point. The ill-discipline. If you're going to have such a big pack, you can't have poor discipline because yep. you're going to fatigue quicker. Uh, Hayden Ward, Isaac Luke versus Trebojevic ripped off. <coughs> well, again, <coughs> mentioned earlier about the gradings and we, we disagree with that, mate. Butsy Badger, how much do you guys know of the Australian schoolboys side and who are we watching for? Australian, has it been selected? I always get confused because yeah, well, there's like It would have been after the... Um, well, no, there's not two. There's an, there's an under-18 side which is picked through like your junior rep footy and there's one that's picked through um, the Australian schoolboys because they had a carnival. Uh, recently up at... Um, actually, I don't know where, where it was this year. Well, I haven't seen anything the last couple of days. Back, but... Get out of that one. It's not that one. Go we'll to the one we'll below. find a link. Go to the one below. That, that one. one? Yeah. What do we got? Australian Schoolboys Rugby League under 18s team. 29. I know the twins, Matthew Fagai and Max Fagai, both played SG Ball this year uh, for Illawarra. They're centre wing pairing. They played for New South Wales 18s. They were pretty good. Tyler Field from Patricia's Brothers Blacktown. I'm pretty sure he was also. Jeez, a couple of Ramick boys. The half in their side. They were pretty good. A lot of Queenslanders in there. Toby Sexton, the half of Palm Beach Crumman. I've watched him play some schoolboy football. He looks a fair player. They have a pretty good side up there, Palm Beach Crumman. Sam Walker is the 16-year-old slash 17-year-old who played under-18s a year up. I think he's one of the sons of one of the Walker brothers, been signed by the Roosters. Moving forward, he's a guy definitely to keep your eyes on. Um, yeah, some of those other names. Hmm. Some of those other names I haven't heard of, but again, like Kerwin stayed high in Townsville. Some of these you won't see on TV or wouldn't have seen unless you were, uh, you know, watching some of that park football up there. But like you said, Ramwick boys, Marcel in college. Lock and Gale, Thomas Giles. There's plenty of guys in here I'm pretty sure would have played under 18s for both their state competitions. 
But yeah, there's a yeah, few, definitely, few definitely. good names there. But Sam Walker definitely stands out. Toby Sessions just selected differently. Like there's a there's a state carnival where they go in their different regions and they select a state side. Yeah, Jackson and they go as their um, they go as their states and they play, uh, and then they obviously pick it based just based on that carnival. It's not really based on reputation. It's based on a lot of it's based on performance. I guess reputation comes into it a little bit, but. It's a little bit more performance-based, I would say. Well, Walker, Sexton, a few of those guys I've seen have definitely hurt their spots. But, yeah, there's a couple of names there to look out for, no doubt about it. Travis McMahon, who do you guys want the coach uh, to coach the Titans and who should they target? Well, we've gone over this. I, I want I wanted Holbrook, and I'm, I'd be very They've happy. They've got Holbrook. Him. Players to target, again. The salary cap situation <laughs> doesn't allow for it, really, at this point in time. I'd just be trying to get rid of any well, dead wood. Well, if we could get rid of Peachy, that'd be, that'd be the first good step, I think. Mm-hmm. That'd free some up. And the bigger thing, I think, is to keep Arrow. Definitely. I think that's one you the sooner, can bank on. You know, if you get if they get rid of Peachy, I'd almost just give that cash straight to Arrow and try and tie is, that up before he gets hits over the market. Arrow's not a guy to me. I think they can be bought. Arrow but I don't, think, I don't think he wants to leave. No, nah, but he also doesn't strike me as a guy who wants to nah, be bought. I, I think, think he'd he wants be happy. To know what the no, but what I'm saying is he'd be happy. I think he'd be happy with that money. Hmm. He needs to see a plan. So I think the sooner they can get a coach, and secondly, the sooner they can free up some space, and then like you say, present him with a plan and a direction that he's happy with, and then give him the coin that he deserves. I think he'll stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Buckster, he's a big Newcastle fan. He's another one. Worried about Nathan Brown and should his job be on the line? He said it's concerning now they've gone into two losing slumps and the effort over the last week, few weeks has been poor. Is it on the coach or the players? Do you think Brown is too lenient? I think it's a bit of both. They both could have taken accountability. Mm. But again, it, Nathan, they won, what, seven in a row and he's, he's the best coach ever. Now that they've had the two losing, I think it probably falls somewhere in the middle. Again, my concern is... The tenure of Brown, the amount of losing that's going on in the tenure, not so much the amount of losing or the losing streaks that are going on at the moment. Yeah. Um, but but like you said, and your your point's fair as well, who's out there <clears throat> to replace him? If you think that he was the right man for the job, you've got to be able to survey the, the landscape, the coaching landscape, and say, well, is there someone better than him out there? And if there's not, then you do not make a change nah. to your head coach. And I think they they seem pretty happy with everything they've done and the and fact I, that he's been I, I willing to put his nuts year, on the line with that contract. And <coughs> I, I said earlier in the year it would have been Holbrook I would have gone after. Yeah, well, there you go. But that's, but that's okay because it, Holbrook's un, unproven at NRL level. That was just my opinion. That's not right or wrong. And now that they're losing, it's not right or wrong. I, I've just got questions on whether he can... Take him to that, that next level. But um, Nathan Brown's a guy that's been at St. Helens as well and had good success there. So he's got the same sort of CV as what Holbrook's got. David White, what did you boys think of the last kickoff from the Dragon South game with the contact and the jumper? I didn't have a problem with it. Saab attacked the ball and those guys were running to get the ball. If you're yeah. going to put yourself in that <laughs> position, that, that's a completely different situation. That's end of the game. Everyone's going for it. I had no problem. And he also said, did we play cricket? I could imagine Brock as a mean fast bowler and Lewis would be a yappy keeper. Well, it definitely I was, wasn't I was a keeper. I was a bit of an all-rounder. We won a state championship at Doms. Doms. Yeah, I was an all-rounder as well. Same deal. I like the Tonk at six. I did a little bit of bowling, a little bit of batting. More more a stick than a bowler. Yeah. I could hit him a fair way. I was probably a bit similar. With the ball, I was known for a beamer. <laughs> Slipped a few of those out my time. Couldn't quite help myself, but enjoy cricket. And the last one, very random. 10-5-7 says, can Lewis sing? You can sing. Maybe. Not, not as well as Dale Finucane, but you can sing. I wouldn't say well in in the car in the shower. That's about it. And I have to get one more in the inbox. All right. I found I get some early on that people put in the inbox, which we have fan questions is the longest segment in this fucking show. I know, and I've got him again. 
<coughs> this is one I missed last week. All right. So I, I said I'd get it. All right. Who is it? Andrew Bennett says injecting George Williams at seventh the Raiders next year, and are they a serious premiership contender? I can't see it happening for them this year, mostly because they are lacking that very piece, a killer halfback, and what it brings to a side. My thing is, you've probably you've seen more of George Williams than what I have. I like Caesar more than Caesar on best form. I like him more than George Williams. Yeah, and what I was going to say, you've seen more of Williams than I have. For the bits I've seen of George Williams, I think similar to an Austin type player. He's a ball runner. He's inconsistent. I think he's better defensively, but I don't think he's a controlling halfback. However, he might be with those bombs just dying and and... to get out here and be challenged. Yeah. And. I'd agree with you there, but we had multiple people. He's going to be a wait and see, Mr. George Williams, because he's got a lot of ability. Yeah. And the last one, Jeff Gumbleton. <clears throat> uh, do you boys think there are occasions where assistant coaches white ant or try to white ant a head coach, or is the code amongst <clears throat> coaches that not to do that? It feels like now that Ivan Cleary's been handed full reign at Panthers, the team is looking a lot more like they're in sync. I'm not accusing their assistants of anything, but fair to say that he was well aligned with Gus and there was plenty of rumours, but you guys are coaches and I was just curious if you boys think in general that this goes on and appreciate that you might want to specifically comment on the Panthers. But I think there's Well, been... that was going on at the Panthers last year. I think there's been no examples. Made Gus Gould made comment of it publicly. Yeah. I also think across the league we've seen examples before where when Potter was getting wide-handed back in the day, speaking earlier about the Tigers with mm. uh, Todd Payton. And the players in the group tried to do that and it backfired and Todd Payton got moved on and then he went to North Queensland and obviously Paul Graham is successful and he's kind of fallen to the wayside. And I think it's funny how you don't hear much about guys that were red hot suddenly because maybe things like that burn their path. And he's now at the Warriors and he's insistent to Kearney and most people wouldn't even realise. But a couple of years ago, yeah, he was a guy being mentioned. David Kidwell's been... like I'm not saying he did that, but he was mentioned, I think, when things Again, were looking I, bad at Parramatta <coughs> or at the Tigers as well. Like, Long story short, I said it earlier, it's about relationships. Yeah. You need to be able to trust your assistants. As soon as relationships go toxic, you need to remove people from your staff. Hmm. If you can't trust them, remove them. There's no doubt that there's people that get into jobs and they're looking to try and find the quickest way to the top. Sorry, but they, these people need to remember that on your way back down the greasy pole, people are going to kick you in the teeth the whole way down. Mm-hmm. If you're going to kick people and try and get the jet boots on and go past everyone, just earn your earn your right to be promoted. Not disagreeing with that, but that does wrap up the fan questions for another week. Massive thank you to everyone out there for chucking those in and now on to our gossip and tips. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate and the boys on the weekend. Got back two and a half units, so they're back up to almost 5% on the season profit return. Uh, and their best bet went off the Broncos minus six and a half. They covered that one easily, and their other line bets went good as well. Dogs plus 16 with the start, got the job done. Raiders minus one and a half. Obviously, they covered that easily, so a bit of a positive after a few rough weeks. But like I said before, and as I said, the Earbox said, if you're going through the origin period, it's always yeah. a shit time to punt and if, a shit time to try and get make money. So yeah. if you're ever going to jump on, it's a monthly setup. If you're going to have an engagement with the package and have a crack with the boys there at the Pro Sports Syndicate, now's <laughs> the time at the back end on the run home. Get a month of the package. Look, I, I think this is, the, this is the time you make money on rugby league yeah. right now. It's the time when teams fall away and teams start to kick on. You've just got to be able to identify who they are. Hmm. One month investment, though. <clears throat> If you like your punting and you want to get yeah. some professional tips, jump on board. Get on board. In the back end of the season, now's the time to try. Didn't you just say their three lines just got up? Yeah. You multi the three lines up. That's like a six dollar multi. Exactly. What I'm saying is back end of the year, things you get are your money back straight away. And if you, if you if you don't make a profit out of the month, you get it back anyway. We're out of the. Why hasn't every person who listens to this that punts 
Gorn have got the one month trial. So for it, there is a one month trial anymore, mate. Hey, this is not a one month trial. There's not. Yeah. Oh. Get about with the product, mate. That's why I do <coughs> I the talk about this Yeah, that's right. No. But yeah, no, I'm saying with the last in the back end of the year. But okay, start I didn't season, say how many how many of them took that up to start with. I think last year there was the three months to start with, but again, yeah, how many people did that last year? Yeah. I don't know. This Madness. year it's been the profit guarantee that if the whole year package obviously didn't deliver, well, same again. You got the free package the year after. Yeah, but, but if not, yeah, but you're still making money if you're up five percent. Yeah, my whole point is at the back end of the year. If you've thought about it previously, or you've been up and down, in and out. Try it for a month at the back end of the season when lineups are settled and the origin period's done, and see what you think of the package. And the thing is, also, you don't have to back every bet. So if you go, I don't like that bet, yeah. you if leave it out, you, and your percentage might be higher than what theirs is. Yeah. Theirs is. They might send you twenty bets, and you only like five of them. Or your if you percentage like five, might be dog shit like ours is this year. We're having a shit year on the punt. Yeah, I'm t- I tell you what, my futures. I'm looking okay, but my actual weekly betting the last few years has been really good. This yeah, year, we're going ordinary. Not good. Going not good at all. But uh, the pro sports in it, get on board with the boys. Three line risks in the weekend, including their best bet. They gained back two and a half units. But the gossip from Mr. Gossip first, uh, this one's not really new, but we heard this a few weeks ago. We've spoke about it. Penrith, uh, keen, as we've spoke about before, to offload some more contracts. They got rid of Wanga Blake, they got rid of Dallin. Campbell Gillard is another one that Ivan Cleary is looking at that he didn't have an involvement with. Mm. Uh, he has five more years to run after this one worth $4 million. So he's clearly not happy with that situation. Wow. They've even touted it out there to clubs that they're happy to pay a piece of it. So I'm hearing close to 200000 If clubs are willing to pay six hundred, the sticking point is the length of the deal. But Parramatta, who have already taken Wanga Blake off their hands, is said to be keen. So, yeah, but if Parramatta, if, if, if Campbell Gillard was happy to walk away from the contract... They could mutually end the contract, couldn't they? Yeah, could. And but then could if just you're not happy to lose the on, amount, well, yeah, yeah, no. But what I'm saying is, if Parramatta said, "Okay, Regan, we'll, we'll happy to sign you to the same monetary value per year," however, we want it over three years, he could do that. If I'm him though, at 27, and I've got my lifetime settled, I'm not cutting it short. But if he wants to get out, I know that. But for four million dollars at that age, he's not in the position to bargain. I know, but he doesn't have to go anywhere. So mm. Penrith's also not in a position if they want to freeze. They're not. Him. However, what I'm saying is, if I'm Parramatta, it's a two-way street. Yeah. Is more what I'm getting at. But if, if I'm Parramatta, I want my terms. If I'm Para and I'm getting him for less, and they're willing to chip in for the length of it, maybe they take the risk. Mm. But for me, <clears> I wouldn't pay him six, seven hundred for five years. No, not with the way he's been playing. I think he's gotten better since he's, he's been dropped in and out and come back. Reserve, but that's saying you are top three prop in the game, which he's not at this point in time. Mm. He's definitely not. So I wouldn't be paying that kind of money, but we'll see what the Eels want to do. Holbrook to the Titans is another one that Gossip put in. Obviously, earlier today, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but we're hearing it's basically a done deal, as you spoke about. Out of respect for St. Helens, they're basically holding on to announce it That's on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, and the Bulldogs, we spoke about it earlier. We had a couple of people ask about it. Well, here you go. Here's one they definitely are interested in. They're engaging in Apicorosia. With Farnu there, it's more than likely they're going to try and free up that cap space and keep Manasi. Put that money elsewhere on the Manly side of things. It's not 100% guaranteed, but the murmurs are that the Tigers were interested in Coruscant. Now the Dogs, who are looking for a quality nine, are definitely interested in Appy Coruscant. So mm-hmm. see what happens there. And the last piece, and the big one, the Penrith Panthers, interested in Jai Arrow, and with the money that they freed up previously, plus now trying to push Campbell Gillard out and Maloney leaving, they have a war chest. So they're looking at Jai Arrow. Mm. I think every club who's got... A need for a quality middle will be looking at Dryer. It's a good move by Penrith, I think, the way the money's fallen. If that was a play you can get your hands on. I don't think he's going to want to move to Penrith. I don't know either, but again, can't blame him for trying to get involved. No, exactly. But moving into our tips from last week, uh, we both got five. Gossip got six, so we're equal on 86 box head. Gossip 
on 85. And the lineups this week brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate and our tips, bets, and all the odds. Tigers Cowboys is the first game. Looking at this game for the Tigers, there is no changes. Cheekham obviously was hospitalised after being knocked out, but depending on the concussion protocols, he's been named to play. For the Cowboys, Michael Morgan returns after three weeks out. Asiata goes back to the bench. Corey Jensen's out, and Hess stays in the centres. And I actually thought he had a pretty good show of things playing in the centres. But well, I've been on the Tigers, uh, the Cowboys, the last two weeks, and they've just burned me. Well, Tigers. It's like a... Your curse continues first. And... Yeah. Well, he's yeah. not there. I know he's not there, but they've generally struggled at Leichhardt, so I'm with you. I went there last year, actually, for this corresponding game. It was the Thursday night, and the Tigers ran right. I wanted to tip him, given the fact that they've got Morgan back in the side, and it's go time right now, so... Well, it's a must win. Depending on the odds, I'm pretty keen, but I think Tigers going home after not not having Benji's oh. 300 there and not having Farris 300 there. I'm sure they're going to celebrate that this week, wouldn't they? They are. I know they've done that the so other grounds, really, but this has to be one. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees. He's on the Tigers. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.63, 225 for the North Queensland Cowboys. The line there is minus 2.5. 1-12 to 12 is 283.35 for the Cowboys. 13-plus for the Tigers, $346 for the Cowboys. The second game that we've got, Kicking off Friday night if in New Zealand, the 6pm game is the Warriors against the Raiders. And on the Warriors side of things, Nicarima <laughs> returns at 5-8. Chanel Tavita-Harris goes back to the bench. Adam Kieran's out of the side. Fusi Tua was close to a return, but he's been left out. Ricky Stewart, same 17, who got the job done. And Nick Kotrick is back <coughs> next week. Right, this is the first leg in my shoebox filler. I'm not going to like, our two bets this week. I'm going a two-leg mouldy. Bet your house on it. Canberra, the first leg of it. They'll just win. Right. So you got... mean right? You're going to tip the Warriors, eh? No. No. I'm tipping the Raiders. Mr. Gossip tipping the Warriors. He's backing them at home. That's why he's coming. Do it. For a bit of vengeance. He's only one behind. That's okay. But with the pro sports in it, it'll be the, two after this match. The Warriors are the outsiders at home. $2.30, $1.60 for the Canberra Raiders. I'll tell you one thing that. The Raiders uh, won't do that Parramatta did. He's leaked like a sieve. Yeah, true that. A good defensively. Minus four is the line. One to twelve for the Raiders. Two eighty five with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Three fifty for the Warriors. Thirteen plus for the Raiders. Three fifteen six twenty five for the Warriors. Second Friday night game. It is the Storm against the Broncos up at Suncorp. This is as good as a home game yeah. as far as I'm concerned for Melbourne. You got Munster, Chambers, a bunch of these guys that are Queenslanders. They've had the wood on them for over a decade. Uh, Pungo Jr. is obviously suspended. Gillette returns in the back row, as does Thomas Flegler, and Dearden's in the extended <coughs> reserves. So. This is the second leg of my filler. Just pour your money on Melbourne because they don't lose two in a row. Yep, and that's the second part I was going to say as well. Two in a row. And, and you know who the, the number one and number two defensive teams are in the competition? Melbourne and the Raiders. I'm back, in, I'm back in defence this time of the year, ladies and gentlemen. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar forty-eight favourites going up there are the Melbourne Storm. Two sixty-five for the Broncos. Minus five and a half is the line. One to twelve for the Storm. Two ninety-three eighty for the Broncos. Thirteen plus for the Storm. Two eighty-five six fifty for the Broncos. So we're all on the Storm there, Mister Gossip as well. No big surprises. Manly at home, three p.m. Saturday against the Newcastle Knights. They are unchanged after that win last week. There is talk though that Kate Cust could have been included or brought back into the side. But looking at it here, he's not even named in the reserve. So they're sticking with Dylan Walker mm. at six. That squeezed Brad Parker back in, I guess, from that situation with Tom there helping out with the ball playing in Farnham. There's less pressure. 
on Walker to really control there and just be an extra runner on the field. So I can kind of see where Des has come from. He's obviously got a better setup than in the past years when they've played him there for Newcastle. Mass changes. Ramian's been dropped. Herman Essi, Essi, Danny Levi, and Jamie Bura. Heimel Hunt moves from the wing to centre. Mann goes from 5'8 to the wing. The new 5'8's Mason Lino. Fitzgibbon's back early from his elbow injury, which pushes Matiadia to the bench. And Connor Watson is the new hooker with Jacob Safidi coming in. Brookvale, sunny day. I like Manly. I'm with you. I like Manly a lot. And Mr. Gossip agrees with the Pro Sports Syndicate. We're all on. $1.43 for the Manly Seagulls. Newcastle Knights at $2.80. Minus 6.5 is the line. One to twelve, two ninety for Manly. Four dollars for the Newcastle Knights. Thirteen dollars, or thirteen plus. Sorry, I'm at ten o'clock at night. Two sixty-five for Manly and for the Newcastle Knights. Seven dollars. That might be one of my bets, but I'll come revisit that in a minute. Uh, the Dogs up against the Panthers. Five thirty, Bankway Stadium for the Dogs. No changes to the team that lost last week for the Panthers. No massive changes. They've just swapped Isaiah Yo and Liam Martin from lock to back row and looking in the extended. Bench there. Spencer Lane, who was upgraded last week, he's only an 18 year old front row. Big future ahead of him. Scored a double in New South Wales Cup. Wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks, depending on how people are playing or any injuries, if he doesn't find his way in for a debut very soon. Jeez, it could be a lean crowd, this one. For me, this is a must bounce back win after the winning streak just to keep things ticking along. So I'm pretty sure we're all on the Panthers here. Mm, yeah. Yep. Mr. Gossip's on the Panthers as well. And with the Pro Sports in it, they're $1.45 favourite, two seventy two for the Dogs. Minus six is the line. One to twelve Panthers, two ninety, three ninety. For the Dogs, thirteen plus for the Panthers, two seventy five, six seventy five for the Dogs. Shark South, an absolute cracker to finish off Saturday night at Points Bet Stadium at the prison. Matt Moylan returns. Andrew Fafida returns as well. So it's a reshuffle. With that being the case, Matt Moylan goes back to fullback. Dugan pushes back to centres and Morris goes back to the wing. Aaron Woods and Pryor are named to start in the front row with Kurt Catewell pushing back to the bench with Wade Graham coming back into the back row. And Fafita there, I'd probably think that Fafita might end up starting or he goes with a full impact bench with Williams, Fafita and Ueli. It's a pretty good bloody rotation to have. You can start Woods, Pryor, Gallon to do all the shit work really and then just pump them with a triple barrel shotgun really mm. so Sharks again in a situation where they've got to keep winning basically close to their best side back on the field here and for the Rabbitohs Sam Burgess is finally back from that shoulder infection he's been named to start in the back row after missing the last five games that pushes Ethan Lowe to the bench and Liam Knight also returns from suspension pushing Dean Britt and Sir off the bench who have been doing a great job the last few weeks mm. for the South Sydney side this one for me is a danger game yeah, I'm going to tip the Sharks. It's I, I just I'm not convinced on South at the moment. I'm I'm really not. I think they really dodged a bullet last week. May come back and get them in the head this week. For one last time, I'm going to put faith in as well because at the prison this year it hasn't made a hell of a difference, and I think they've dropped games they shouldn't have dropped. But I just look at South. I think they've won a lot of games very closely and fought through these injuries and overcome a lot of adversity. But Graham's back. Sam, oh, after Graham's five weeks, uh, that's massive. Like I'm sure he probably has a good game, but I still think they're a little bit rusty and they're kind of waiting to be I'm beat. still not convinced he's going to play either. Neither am I. So for that reason, with those guys back at the prison, in particular way Graham and Sherry's combo that possibly will develop on that left-hand side again. I'll believe it feeder. when he... When he uh... When there's an hour before and he's on the team shoot. Yeah, so we're both on the Sharkies. Mr. Gossip with the Pro Sports Syndicate. He's going South Sydney, and South Sydney are the favourites with the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1.75, 205 for the Sharks. Minus one and a half is the line. One to 12 for the Sharks is 315, 280 for South. 13 plus, 525, and $4 for South Sydney. 
Roosters Titans on Sunday. The Roosters obviously feeling the pinch with all those injuries. Jarbury Hargroves, Boyd Cordner, Tokiaho, all out of the side. So major reshuffle. Isaac Liu, Tadavano, Angus Crichton all move in to start. The new bench players are Nat Butcher, Famasuli, and Lindsay Collins for the Titans. Copley's out. He's replaced in the centres by Brian Kelly. AJ Brimson is out. He's placed at halfbacks, been taken by Riley Jacks. Lalani Latu has been dropped to the reserves. Branko Lee comes in on the bench, and after being granted leave to deal with his personal issues, Ash Taylor is in an extended squad. So, well, the, possibility the of Titans return. have got a history of upsetting the Roosters, um, but you know it could could very well happen. But I've got zero faith. Well, again, even with. Verrills, Crichton, Tedavano, Liu, Orbison, whatever, like the, the makeshift setup and these bench players, I'll bat the Roosters every day of the yeah, week. Yeah, Roosters. So, Mr. Gossip here agrees with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Still massive favourites. You might like to start this one instead. No, $1.12. I don't, I don't like any start. Well, there you go. $1.12 for the Roosters, the Pro Sports Syndicate. Five eighty for the Titans. Sixteen and a half is the line. One to twelve Roosters, three fifteen. Eight dollars for the Titans. Thirteen plus for the Roosters, a dollar sixty. Twenty-one dollars for the Titans in the last game of the round. Dragons up against the Eels. This is one early in the year that started a bit of a rock for them that we went to. Mm-hmm. They led that game at Bank West. They ended up blowing that result. They lost Corey Norman, and things got real ugly. As far as changes on this side of things are concerned for the Dragons, they've kept the same starting 13. Josh Kerr and Dufty have been dropped to the reserves, though. Pat Kafusi and Lattimore have been opened onto the bench. Mm-hmm. For the Eels, Michael Jennings is back in the centres. They've pushed Brad Takarangi to the wing and Ethan Parry out of the Brad side. Brad Takarangi to the wing? He's been playing well this year. I don't know if he's he a winger. Yeah. But yeah, Parry's two games <laughs> for a young bloke were solid. Sean Lane returns from an injury into the back. We made some errors on the weekend, Parry. Yep. Lane returns from an injury into the back row. Near Cora goes to the bench. Oren Confuci is the man to drop out. I'll stick with Parramatta because yeah, there's sorry. been nothing really. Until I see something from St. George. Yeah, there's nothing you can really do to tip him. But hopefully Sunday Arvo, good conditions down at Wynn Stadium. They, they put up a decent effort, but... Who bloody knows? And this will be on the TV at the first birthday. I'm not sure the Titans game will be on the TV at the first birthday. Yeah, it might be, might be off. Mr. Gossip's also with us there. We're all in the ears of the Pro Sports Syndicate. They're $1.94 outsiders to the Dragons. I can't believe dollar eighty-five. The line, minus one for this game. One to 12 for the Dragons. Two ninety-three dollars 5 for the Parramatta Eels. 13 plus for the Dragons is four thirty-three and four seventy-five on the flip side for, para, uh, for the Dragons. I think that might have to be one of my bets. Mm. Because, yeah, a dollar ninety four. I've got no faith in Parramatta, but I've got even less in the Dragons. Yeah, we'll give them. What's... Is it Illawarra? It must be the Illawarra factor. Because they're, they're, traditionally they're very strong down in. in yeah, Illawarra. I get that side of things, but <coughs> all right, I'm going to go the Sharks one to twelve for the upset. So three fifteen at the Priz. Geez, that's a good game in the Super League. Catalan Warrington wins that on in the morning. Mm. <clears throat> and a second bet. You said you were going to come back to one. Yeah, there was there was there was a few that I didn't mind. Oh, Huddersfield leads this week too. That's a big game. The uh, relegation battle is getting very real in the Super League. I'm just going to take the Eels at a dollar ninety-five. I don't know. That's your one bet. You said you liked another one. What were we coming back to? I think I was interested in the Manly. Manly game. I think it was also the you were interested in the Cowboys <clears throat> at the price. Yeah, I just think that with Morgan back in and the way things are going there. Yourself, son. But you know, again, I said this last week. They don't list the try scorers at the start of the week, and that's oh, my no. favourite thing. 
I love trial-win combos. I really do, mate. Trial-win combos are one of my favourite things, Brock, mate. Mm, I know they are, mate. <coughs> Ooh, apologies for that. They don't even have up at the moment to score a try. They've got first-half tries and second-half tries, and they're scoring first or last. They don't have two score, which kind of bothers me. It's a bit early, mate. But for the Newcastle side of things, with the changes they've made and the at Brookvale, sunny on a Saturday, I, I don't know. There's a couple of blokes there. Like Tom is always very likely when he's playing at Brookvale. I think there's good value in their right edge, as well. They play a bit of footy. Uh, the the reshuffle on the left side of Newcastle as well. There's a few spots there, but I'll stick with those two. Sharks one to twelve at the Priz to hopefully get the upset and I'll take the heels just because of the slight outsider. If the line would give me three and a half, which I can't get odds for because I don't have pick a line right now, what do you think I'd get if it was pick'em? A dollar ninety game and then I took minus three and a half. What would you think I'd get? Probably two twenty. Something like that. Yeah, well even again, it's almost two bucks, so I'm just gonna take <laughs> that one straight up head to head. But looking at those tips, it's identical the whole way through. Six games, so the only different game Goss is on the Warriors when we're on the Raiders and he's on South when we're on the Sharkies. Mm. So there might be a couple of points flipped either way. But that's us done for another week. Another massive show. Set of six reviews, fan questions, power rankings, you name it, we've done it. Best bets, gossip, all there, done and dusted. Big thank you to the Penrosola Centre. Look no further, www.penrosola.com.au. Get on board with them, jump on board, get a system, help yourself, help your back pocket heading into summer and the Pro Sports Syndicate. Got two units back, keep your eyes out for the best bet. We'll post that up heading into the back end of the year. If you're a punter, if you're keen, try it out for a month. See what you think of the package, but support our sponsors and support us. Jump on iTunes, rate us, review us. Always feel free to send us fan questions, inbox us. We'll reply when we can. But for now, more importantly, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.